the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Chris. Yes, Chris Hollister, you're back in the house. I am. It is so good to be on with you guys. The Spice Brothers, I tell you what, I love you guys. I love what you do. You make podcasting happy for me, so it's good to be back on board. Well, that is an honor, sir. The last time we had you on, it was a while back, uh, two years ago, almost exactly two years ago, we were talking robots in disguise, (laughs) Transformers, man. Yes, absolutely. And and I'll see you guys in another two years for whatever else you want to have up, (laughs) so I'm all in on that. (laughs) We seem to bring you on for some of your most uh, passionate uh, bits of nostalgia and media, and today we are going to be talking The American President. We're going to be talking West Wing, and we're going to do a recasting of American President using actors of today. Both of these properties are American, Sor- or American, are, uh, are American, American Sorkin, uh, Aaron Sorkin properties. He uh, wrote and created uh, both of these things, and yeah, it's also two of your favorite things, particularly ever. If anybody listens to Trivial Warfare, uh, which is one of the things you're from, actually, yeah, I'm yes. sorry. Reintroduce yourself to the people who may not have listened to the Transformers episode. A- absolutely. Well, my name is Chris Hollister. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, the cultural gongquin that is uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, don't ask me what that means. I heard it from s- some other podcast. Uh, but yeah, uh, I am uh, I am one of the co-creators of a little podcast called Trivial Warfare. Uh, you've had several, several members of the Trivial Warfare gang on, including Jonathan, Carmela, and Ben. Your various uh, shows under your uh, network, on your podcast uh, network and uh, empire if you will and uh it's just uh, uh it's uh let's see we're in uh our almost our eighth year now there's almost 400 episodes uh i have actually taken a bit of a pause i am actually quote unquote retired from it but i'm still proud to say that along with jonathan i am the co-creator of uh, trivial warfare and uh it's just uh, yeah, but one of the things I love to talk about is Aaron Sorkin. Uh, he he has created some of the most amazing television shows that are out there. He has written and uh, executive produced some amazing movies that we could talk about, including The American President, including my second favorite movie of all time, uh, A Few Good Men, and just a whole bunch of other stuff. But just really looking forward to having a conversation with you all about it today. And, and as I told uh, John and Adam... I'm going to get a geek out a little bit, and so I'm going to trust on them to calm my behind down. <laughs> yes. So there we go. I'm, I'm excited to see full-on Chris Hollister tonight. <laughs> All right, excellent. <laughs> Which uh, I did actually, John, we hadn't talked about this yet, but uh, so this releases in August, and August is our fifth year anniversary doing this uh, show. Yes, so it it's is. been f- five full years. Uh, of blast from our past. So thank D- you guys. Does it feel like five years, guys? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sometimes no. Sometimes yes. All right. I thought you were gonna be like, no. It's just time flies. It's been an amazing five years. <laughs> no. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm exhausted. It's, it's a lot of prep work. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> but Completely it's good can appreciate that. And as I always tell people, the worst I get from it. Pretty much, other than like you know, it does take a good, good bit of time. It forces me to talk to my brother every week, and that's really not that bad of a thing. <laughs> Amen. I hey, like I would love to have your uh, your brother as a brother, so that'd be amazing. He's a good, 
He's Notice I did not say I'd love to have your brother because that would mean a whole <laughs> yeah, different thing. Yeah, it's kind of strange. He's, yeah, he's a little hairy for my taste. Just, yeah. just saying, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am. Mean, my face is the uh, direct opposite of your face. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yes, and I'm kind of halfway. I'm patchy. I'm patchy, but there's something. <laughs> your patch is a hula hand. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, the American president was released in 1995. John, could you set our minds back to that fantastic year? All right. Well, the film was released on November 17th of 1995. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week was Fantasy by Mariah Carey. good one <laughs> i think we had i honestly i think we did that one before yeah it must probably have because it w- yeah. it takes up a lot of uh the billboard uh, top 100 of that year so okay that's true that's very true uh topping the nielsen ratings that week is the show er yeah okay good fair in video games uh people were uh, just finishing up a month of playing the game twisted metal for the ps1 oh, wow. oh that's a yeah that's a great game i actually met the person who did like a was on the car design team, not like of the the technical side, but like the art design. Like she helped create the look of Twisted Metal. It's very cool. Uh, topping the New York Times bestseller list was The Lost World by Michael Crichton. Oh wow! Okay. Okay. Uh, yep. Which I've only not actually why, read. Yeah, only reason why he wrote it was just because of how popular Jurassic Park was as a movie. That was the mm-hmm. only reason. Yeah. And they wanted a money. sequel. Yep. Uh, and my fun fact for 1995, uh, Disney's Pocahontas was originally supposed to feature a talking turkey named Red Feather, who was going to be voiced by John Candy. Uh, after Candy's death, they dropped him from the film and decided that no animals would speak in the film. Oh, thank yeah, they, God. Yeah, they did have that yeah. raccoon well, who kind of like talked. Yeah. I think it was, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, not thank God that John Candy died. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that no, no, part no. 100% sucks because that man was amazing. But, yes. oh my, uh, wow. I, I don't, I've never heard that stat before, John, and I'm, I'm speechless, at least for the next, like, we'll say three or four seconds. <laughs> okay. Fun fact, I've never uh, actually seen Pocahontas. Oh, okay, it's good. You're, I, I was going to say you're not missing much, but sure, okay. <laughs> it's Exactly. It, it is not top-tier Disney and not right, even top-tier yep. 90s Disney, honestly. It's probably That's true. lower end, but it's still watchable. All right. Well, that was 1995. All right. All right, guys. We are going to get sorkined. We're going to sorkin so hard, and let's start with the American president. All right, The American President, 1995, directed by Rob Reiner. You know his stuff. He directed Spinal Tap, Misery, A Few, Few Good Men, another one that uh, he also worked with Aaron Sorkin on, The Princess Bride, another pers- people's oh. fantastic film, and Ghosts of Mississippi is another one I always try to call out. It's a movie not enough people know. Mm-hmm. Fantastic film. I think one of the best villains in cinema. I didn't realize that was a Reiner film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, James Woods plays um, Byron D. LeBeckwith, one of the, honestly... I wish I could 
reach into the screen and punch him. I hate him so much that I'm <laughs> racist. But anyway, enough of that one. We're not. Eventually, John and I will talk about it. Just kind of ones we keep bringing up. So. Just do like a James Wood episode, and then you could talk about Hades and Hercules also because hey, oh, yeah. he was so good in that. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's a phenomenal <laughs> villain. Uh, as we mentioned, this film was written by Aaron Sorkin. He also wrote and created uh, The West Wing, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which is one that I think everybody should go watch. Uh, unfortunate cut way too soon. Sports Night, another great show. Uh, Newsroom, Few Good Men. He did, he wrote the screenplay for Moneyball uh, and also wrote uh, The Social Network. So he's, he's one of the premier writers in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Without sure. question, without question. Also, he uh, uh, his directorial debut was a game. Uh, was a movie called Molly's Game. Okay, fantastic movie. Highly recommend. Uh, very kind of underrated movie. Uh, flew underneath the radar, but a very good movie. Yeah. And then also, he's been directing quite a bit. He uh, they had a Lucille Ball biopic uh, that just. Oh yeah, yeah. Did I think Be- it's called being Lucille. the Ricardos? Oh no, oh, no it's just. Ricard- I, I think it is being the Ricardos. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he wrote that as well. Yes, he did. Okay. I want to call out music. Uh, The music for this film was done by Mark Shaman. He also did City Slickers, which I think John and I, we had mentioned at some time, that has has a score way better than it should. Right. Um, The City Slickers film, it's it's an incredible score. He also did Adam's Family, Sleepless in Seattle, Few Good Men. Um, He also did all the music and lyrics for the South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, which is (laughs) awesome. Wow. I had no idea about that. That's amazing. Yeah. It's super cool. So, uh, and then another person I want to call out here, the cinematography was done by John Seal. Uh, he did some other great films, uh, Rain Man, Dead Poet Society, English Patient, which is, has great cinematography, The Perfect Storm, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and a, you know, a little bit more recently, Mad Max Fury Road has phenomenal oh, yes. cinematography. He yeah. did that one as well. So nice. very cool. The cast for this film, Andrew Shepard, President Andrew Shepard, is played by Michael Douglas. We know him from Wall Street, Basic Instinct, Fatal Attraction, uh, the more recent MCU, the older uh, Ant-Man, you know, Hank Pym, exactly. Uh, Sydney Ellen Wade is played by Annette Bening. I I love her best probably from American Beauty besides this, but Mm -hmm. also The Kids Are All Right. She's funny in Mars Attacks. She's been in tons of stuff. Uh, A.J. McElerney. Is played by the great Martin Sheen, who we will see again when we talk West Wing. He was also in Apocalypse Now. And my favorite little uh, thing I noticed on his IMDb, he uh, played a character called Sly Sludge on 12 episodes of Captain Planet. He voiced, <laughs> he voiced a Captain Planet villain. So oh I think that's gosh. awesome from Martin Sheen. Uh, Lewis Rothschild is played by Michael J. Fox. Everybody knows him from Back to the Future, Doc Hollywood, and Spin City, which uh, I saw a little stat that apparently the writers who wrote Spin City kind of wrote it after they saw this film, kind of almost for Michael J. Fox, this kind of proving he could do kind of that that kind of role for them. Totally could see that. Yep. Uh, Robin McCall is played by Anna Dever, uh, Deveray Smith. Uh, she has been in Blackish recently, Nurse Jackie. Uh, she also had a smaller reoccurring role in West Wing, and she was in the film Philadelphia as well. Leon Kodak is played by David Pamer, 
he is a, one of those awesome character actors. He's one of those kind of guys you're like, I've seen that face. Mm-hmm. But he's just been in so many things. He's from everything from Howard the Duck. Uh, John, you probably remember him from City Slickers. He yep. was, uh, I, I think, Ira. He was, was, he was one Ira. of the ice cream brothers or ice cream yeah. guys. Yes. Or whatever they were. Exactly. Yeah. He's also been in Quiz Show. Tons of stuff from that guy. He also was a recurring role in the first two seasons of a TV show called The Commish. Uh, I've, heard, a, I've heard of the show. I hadn't fan, seen it. Yeah, that was a really good early '90s uh, TV show. Uh, uh, the guy, uh, the main actor that was in it was uh, the guy from The Shield. I cannot remember his name off oh, the top Chiklis. of my head. Yes, Michael, Michael Chiklis. Chiklis. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. and uh, just that was. I, I was shocked to see him in the. I, I just did a rewatch of that, and I was like, "Holy crap! I forgot that dude was on there." <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, Senator Rumson is played by Richard Dreyfus. Uh, Jaws, Close Encounters, American Graffiti. He's been in a shit ton. He's Richard Dreyfus. Yep. All right. This, this film had a budget of $62 million, a box office of 108 So it made a decent, you know, not quite double its, its uh, budget, but pretty good. And a little interesting fact I saw, apparently originally Robert Redford mm-hmm. uh, was wanted to be, he's basically the, he kind of started this whole thing by trying to like create uh, a, sh- a movie based on, uh, or, Basically, the, he says the president elopes, which was a screenplay I, I also saw from the early 80s. But that's what he wanted. And then Sorkin wrote a treatment. He got the job. But then when Rob Reiner came on board, they clashed and Redford left. And so that's when they brought in Douglas instead. Really? So, OK, wow. Yeah. But if you which, notice, you can actually see Redford was still a producer on this film. Oh, OK, I, okay. I didn't notice that. OK, so, yeah, because I guess because he was the one behind it. I like that. Uh, Redford was not the president because he's not there, there's there's something that Michael Douglas did in this one that also I kind of want to throw out to uh, Bill Pullman in Independence Day there is a there's a comfort factor with them like mm-hmm. it's like these are the kind of guys you know like they're down to earth and you could you know I could go up to him and talk to him uh, there's something there's a little bit more of a pompousness for you know there is a prestige with with Robert Redford I'm not sure it would have had that same vibe and I don't know if it would have worked as well for me so we'll see. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And also just, I don't know, uh, to me, Michael Douglas just had, uh, I, even though he's not one of my favorite actors, I'll be very honest with you, uh, there's not a lot of Michael Douglas movies that I want to rewatch. Uh, I'll watch mm-hmm. him, but I don't really, the rewatchability for me is not there. But he had that majesty. He had that that presidential gravitas that you need. And you believe that he was the president, oh, yeah. you know? And oh, yeah. uh, so that's just kind of where I was at right there. And then also, I mean, shoot, what is it? In the uh, TV show Watchmen later on, you find out that Robert Redford actually was the president. So there's that. Huh. So, okay. Uh, I, anyway. I, that's, a sh- that's one of the millions of shows I need to watch. Oh, yeah. Especially since it's just one season, 10 exactly. episodes. It's, I, it's totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, And then another fun fact I saw is that apparently Aaron Sorkin had mentioned in interviews uh, that he wrote the screenplay while high on cocaine uh, <laughs> living in the four seasons in Los Angeles. Uh, that's good times. That does not <laughs> surprise me one bit. That definitely uh, was Sorkin's. Uh, it was his downfall from the West Wing. He left after the fourth season because he just could not get his drug addiction under order uh, or uh, under control and everything like that. But in all fairness, too, he needed the uppers because he was writing every episode. Every episode yeah. uh, of the two seasons of Sports Night and every episode of the first four seasons of the West Wing, he wrote all of it. You heard it from Chris's <laughs> mouth. Just take some cocaine, everybody. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's what you just said. Whoa. 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 Okay. 
Do not listen to Adam. That's all I got to say about that. Jeez. Right. (laughs) All right. Um, And one other cool, last little little cool thing that I want to bring up. Uh, So they use the set of the Oval Office uh, again for the West Wing uh, down the line. But also it was used in Independence Day. The The same exact set was in all of those. That's not what I read, Adam. What? I I read that it was actually originally from the movie Dave. Oh, oh, okay. I missed that part then. I don't know which one is true and which one isn't. But yes, they did use the same set for the West Wing, but I heard that this actually came from the movie Dave, not Independence Day. Oh, interesting. It's the old Chris Klein film, right? the only thing I know about it is just that the, they've kept the West, or they've kept the West Wing set as a whole, and they use that on a regular basis for various TV shows and movies, right? Uh, going forward, uh, okay. and that Time Warner has just gone ahead and kept kept that property and just rented it out as needed. I mean, that's okay. that's smart. You're always going to need yeah. a president, and that room never changes. So that's yeah. true. Yep. So Chris and John, uh, and I'll also speak my bit. Why are we talking the American president? You know, what do you remember about this film when you were younger and when you saw it uh, back in the 90s or whenever you first saw it? So, Chris, we'll start with you. Like, you know, what what were your initial thoughts with um, with the American president? And also, like, you know, how is it in, in your lexicon? How much do you appreciate it as a film? Okay, well, first off, the reason I saw it in the theater was because of Rob Reiner. At that point in time, Rob Reiner was probably my favorite director um, going at that, um, and I just loved everything that he did. And then when I found out that the same person that wrote um, A Few Good Men wrote uh, The American President, I was like, okay, I'm all in. I'm absolutely going to go and see this. And saw it in the movie theater, and just uh, I probably was the only person without a date uh, in that movie theater watching it. Um, younger yeah. Chris uh, uh, did not attract the ladies very much, So that, but that was alright, because I learned to love me, dang it. Love me. Um, so, uh, but where it became in the lexicon is just like is again it's actors that I really was not super enthralled with um, Michael Douglas Annette Benning I was uh, is not really somebody that I watch a whole lot of stuff uh, that she was in but yet it became one of my favorite movies it became one of those movies that I have to watch at least once a year just because I love the the ambiance of it I love the flow of it I love the uh, I mean uh, especially over the last few years um, in this country where politics has gotten mean and kind of nasty. The one thing I love about uh, the American president as well as the West Wing is it romanticizes politics. It really does. Whether you agree or disagree with any of the um, political uh, inclinations that Sorkin put in either of those series, you could still tell that there's a love of political theater there's a love of just wanting to do something right for your country that's that's really expressed in both in both properties and that's what i really loved about the american president and also it's just funny there is just some really openly hilarious scenes in it i mean the fact that um he can't find roses and that ends up being a running gag throughout the movie so he gets her a virginia ham which as i'm sure adam you're going to talk about in a bit that to me always cracked me up because Mm -hmm. i was like well actually i mean because i I remember younger Chris going, well, that's the most practical gift possible. It's a great <laughs> gift, and you get to eat. I mean, so there's that. And so, so yeah. yeah, exactly. You said you weren't, you weren't good with the ladies <laughs> back in the day, huh? I wonder it's why. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> that's right, ladies. Have a ham. 
<laughs> it's good pork. Wait, hi-yo. hey So, <laughs> anyway, but that's just, that was, that to me, especially with the two properties, it's the romanticism of politics, and especially U.S. politics, and it's something that I miss um, tremendously, and it's actually something that I've been studying a lot more. I've been going and listening to presidential autobiographies because I'm trying to look for that romance again with the American po- um, political system. That's just not there anymore. It doesn't feel like it's there anymore. That will be a running just debate and discussion, I think, mm-hmm. throughout um, all both of these properties. But, uh, John, for you, what do you remember about this film back in the day? You know, the thing I remember about this film, and I don't know if this is true, but in my head what I'm thinking is, is this was one of the first movies I saw where I felt like, oh, I can enjoy, because this would have come out when I was roughly 14, 15. I don't remember if I saw it in the theater or not, but it, it was one of the first movies where I'm like, oh, I can enjoy a movie that's not expressively a comedy or an action film or something geared towards kids and teens. It's an adult movie, or not an adult movie, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be something totally different. <laughs> I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a parody out there. There is a porn parody for everything. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, <laughs> Chris, this is our this is our Oi. Yeah, Oi. I'm allowed is, to cuss this, on this, this one. Is our I know podcast. <laughs> So, uh, so Adam's going on Pornhub later. Got it. Okay. Oh, what? I'm never. It's, it's like it's like uh, the Hulk is always angry. I'm always on Pornhub. Okay, it's the same kind of thing. Oh my! Our next episode uh, is going to be our top ten Pornhub categories. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Um, but like it was. I think I I remember this one as being like one of the first times I watched a film, thinking I kind of feel like an adult. Like I'm enjoying this story. And it doesn't have to have like overt silly comedy or crazy action scenes, and I can sit through this whole movie and enjoy it. And that's honestly my my memory of this film. And for me, I was nine when this came out, so I didn't give a crap about it in theaters. Um, we probably I can't remember. Maybe we rented it. Mom rented it, and she wanted to watch it. You know, and this is going to be a mom movie night. Mm-hmm. Liked it, but I re- definitely do remember seeing it like on TNT or something down the line and watching it and, and remember liking it. But again, yes, it does make you feel like an adult because even a younger Adam was able to watch and appreciate things. And I will say older Adam is getting a lot more out of this film. Yeah. So, all right. Well said. We'll get uh, into that as we start our scene by scene breakdown. We start things off with a title sequence and opening credits. We meet President Shepard. Lewis comes in, he's worried, he's kind of setting, we're kind of just meeting all these different people, all the different staff, all this kind of stuff. They do this whole kind of walk and talk, which is actually something that they're going to, we're going to see in West Wing like crazy, all into the Oval Office. And we're just kind of seeing the insanity that he has to deal with as the president on a daily basis. So uh, they need to push this whole crime control bill that they're trying to do. This is a big plot point for him. Um, And there's this discussion on, handgun hand restrictions and assault uh rifle stuff and i'm just like wait this is 95 this yeah. this could have totally been written in 2022 100 percent, 100 percent. a lot of this stuff comes back yeah uh, i mean a lot of this stuff it, we've gone nowhere in politics it feels like since 1995 so lewis really wanting to push more gun control but the president obviously has to worry about what he can get through congress and not because it seems to be a little probably a little bit more republican 
um, Congress, and he is a Democratic president. So, so did you get the uh, did you get the feeling for uh, about uh, uh, of Bill Clinton when you first uh, or going back and looking at it now, knowing that it's ninety five? Did you oh, kind of yeah. look at it? Go, okay, I can kind of get the Clinton vibe. Here's a young, good looking president. Mm-hmm. Obviously, is very charismatic. People really like doing him. Uh, the only difference is is that they killed Hillary off. And uh, so, <laughs> I think a, a lot of people would like to kill Hillary. <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, Secret NSA Service agents. That was Adam yeah. that said that. I repeat, that was Adam. So, but yeah, but, but seriously though, yeah. it's just I got a lot of Clinton vibes on this because again, Clinton had a very young West Wing as well. And looking around, you can see there's a lot of younger members on this, except mm-hmm. for Miss Chapel, who was the uh, who was the president's secretary, and also they did that same thing in the yes. West Wing where they had an older secretary that was kind of in charge of things with Mrs. Landingham. It really, I you could really kind of tell that Sorkin, and he and he did it again also with the West Wing, used Clinton as as his like. Uh, has has his muse for lack of a better term. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, I absolutely see that. And Reiner yeah. actually uh, shadowed Clinton a couple of times mm. in preparation uh, for this film. That does okay. not surprise me one bit. That's very cool. So uh, we hear some rumblings about who the Sydney Ellen Wade person is going to be coming on to the um, uh, in basically an environmentalist lobby. Uh, then we also we also he get more about uh, our president. He's a widower. He has a child. Uh, who plays trombone about as well as I did when I was in high school. Not very good. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that she plays that Hail to the Chief as he walks yeah. out of the room. I think that was, that was fun. <laughs> She's like a lot of these kind of era films, you know, kind of similar with Sleepless in Seattle or some of these other ones. The kids are, like, obviously way smarter than they normally yep, are. 100%. Actually, this was, she actually does seem pretty good like a normal kid, but they are well-behaved, just good kids. I always like mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, She is played by uh, Shauna Waldron. And, John, we actually talked about her when we discussed Little Giants way back when. Oh, okay. She was kind of like the, the angry girl in Little Giants who joined the team. Yeah, now. she was Rick Moranis' uh, daughter, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. she was great in that. Exactly. But we kind of have that whole discussion of her not enjoying social studies, which is just particularly <laughs> funny because her dad's the president. Uh, and I think he gives her this massive book uh, about the Constitution, which what kid wants to read that? It's a Come page on, turner. <laughs> Come on, Dad. Uh, AJ tells the president about Sydney uh, Ellen Wade, and President Shepard feels that the staff he get hears some comments that um, uh, some people said earlier. Uh, they think he's lonely, and you know, so you can tell he just like he kind of wants to be a regular guy at times. He even tells you know his chief of staff, "Hey, just just call me Andrew. I knew before before I did all this crap." So, but you know, he's the president, so everybody calls him Mr. President. So. Well, and what's hilarious too is that AJ's trying to is being his best friend also, mm-hmm. and is trying to be his buddy because he's like, "Hey, look, if you're missing female companionship, we can take care of that for you." <laughs> I mean, Dude, it's he, just like no, no hesitation. Yes, one bit, <laughs> and 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 you could just I love the fact that uh, that Alan, our President Shepard just looks at him and is like, "Duff." <laughs> It's yeah. just like, no, no, I'm not going to do that one bit. But that first part of the movie sets up nicely that, okay, not only is this going to be a political t- uh, movie, but this is also going to be a uh, a romantic movie. This is going to yep. be something where this guy finds his lobster if you want to go and do a Friends yeah, uh, I, I yeah. prefer Seinfeld term, <laughs> okay. anything other than Friends. All right, fair enough. I, I, I don't dislike Friends. I just hate Ross Gay. <laughs> I hate him with a passion. You need to have another podcast that says, I want to punch Ross in the face. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hate him. He's the worst 
worst person. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So we meet Sydney uh, Ellen Wade, and she uh, comes to the White House with another environmentalist lobbyist, uh, uh, Wendy Malick, that actress. She's wonderful. Another one of those. She oh, was yeah. in, uh, was she in Spin City or no? She was in. Well, she was in something. Hot in Cleveland. She was in. Uh, no, she was in the. Um, uh, oh, crap. It was the uh, uh, David Spade, uh, Just Shoot Me. Ah, that's it. Yeah, I knew yep. she had a long, t- long yep. sitcom that she was yep. on for a while. She was on. Uh, she was on the HBO show Dream On, wasn't she? Is that because I swear? Oh that's wow! I, I think I remember her from that actually. All right, jo- John gets props on that because yeah, yeah I remember the show, Obscure. but not one bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I only, I only remember it because it was on Comedy Central and they cut out all the nudie parts. <laughs> Because we didn't have okay, HBO. Well, now you just go back to Pornhub and you can find all those nudie parts again, John. See how it goes? It comes back bold, around. Bold of you to assume that I haven't already. <laughs> I, I was going to have my dad listen to this episode. I don't know anymore. No. Oh. <laughs> guys Sorry, ter- Chris. You guys are terrifying me here. Terrifying. Sorry, Chris's oh, dad. We're, we're all, <laughs> all right. So I do love um, she is talking to AJ, you know, in this meeting, and she is just kind of ripping the president a new one, and he. Mr. President Shepard kind of sneaks in and I, this is a great little entrance here where she is just making fun of him, mocking him. And then he's just like, just because he's a nice guy and he's done better than his predecessors, then your boss is the chief executive of Fantasyland. Let's take him out back and beat the shit out of him. Good morning, Mr. President. How are you today? She obviously has to like eat her words, kind of retract a bit. Incredibly intimidated. Well, but. well, the line he says was great when he came in. He was just like, why don't we just go, uh, take him out the back and kick his ass? I mean, yes. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, oh, man. <laughs> and then he just pulls a baller move and, like, brings her to the Oval Office and, like, boom, chats with her kind of privately. Kind of ends up making a deal for her uh, bill if she can get a certain amount of votes, uh, which he doesn't really believe she can. Mm-hmm. Then he'll find the rest of the votes and, you know, move on. And he asks her out to lunch, can tell instantly he is uh, smitten, definitely fond of this person. Well, actually, I mean, it waits a little bit because he he does a he has a phone call uh, that he makes, mm-hmm. and you True. have that great scene where he's just trying to call out, just do something simple like call out, and he can't even do that. And so uh, finally, he figures it out. She answers the phone, and she's trying to play with this like voicemail that she has, which is just hilarious in its own right. That because you think about uh, our voicemail now, it's a mach- uh, she had a machine that she was doing. But and she sees the number and she doesn't believe who it is. She thinks it's somebody that's like making up his voice or yep. whatnot, which is just a great scene. And then when she fi- finds out that it actually is him, she stands up. She feels like she needs to be at attention talking to him and whatnot. And the interesting part also is that her sister that's in it. Uh, yeah, that's in it. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember her, uh, the actress's name, but she actually was in. Uh, she was uh, President Bartlett's uh, middle daughter in The West Wing. Um, she was. Oh. Uh, yeah, she played Ellie Bartlett and uh, so uh, and she comes on board I think it's in the second I think it's in the second or the third season and is just wonderful in that small little role of Ellie Bartlett but it's just you could see that um, Sorkin brings people in like Anna DeVore Smith you're talking mm-hmm. about earlier and uh, I mean obviously Martin Sheen but who the crap doesn't want Martin Sheen to be a part of their TV series let's just be honest here uh, and yeah. then of course uh, this actress uh, Nina Zemesco I believe is her name and so um, and you can correct yeah. me later if you want to Adam no, that's right yeah that's right. hey and two points for I mean, Chris he, he also he uses what uh, Joshua Molina yes in sports night in this and in West Wing like, yep. he gets he's a definitely a guy he keeps coming back to. well you know who his uh, hit one of his uh, best friends in the world and roommate in college was Joshua Molina. 
Well, yes. That's, yeah. That's I, why he keeps coming back. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. Well, they actually, uh, uh, Joshua Molina does a fantastic podcast called the West Wing Weekly, and uh, he talks about that quite a bit in that podcast. Not that you should be listening to it. You should be listening to this podcast right now. Hashtag just saying. Listen to both. There's enough <laughs> podcasts out there. So uh, I do I do want to insert in here. There's a great little scene where Shepard and AJ are at like in the pool room and they're playing. This is kind of a, a, a scene or not a scene, but like a, a place they come back to and have a nice little, they have like good friendly conversations here uh, multiple times. This stuff. I love how Martin Sheen, you know, he is that kind of guy. He's that friend and you always need one who can call you out on your shit. And, you know, of course the president being kind of giddy about, you know, oh, should I ask her out? I'm going to make this date. I'm going to give her a call, which you'll do in a second. But Martin Sheen has a great line of, she didn't say anything about me. Well, no, sir, but I could pass her a note before study hall. I, I don't know, but I could call, I could pass her a note in study hall. Just kind of calling out <laughs> that this is a cheesy kind of, he's acting like school kids. All right, so as you mentioned, they do that kind of calling thing. He uh, he calls Sydney at her sister's place and yada, yada, yada. And he invites her to a date at this uh, French president's event thing that's going to be happening. And so she accepts after hilariously not believing it's him and then all that stuff uh we get a quick scene of the gdp her environmentalist people they're still they're hunting for votes while, while the other people are also trying to get their bill across this is something that's going to keep going kind of culminating the climax of the film uh heading into the event here we meet senator rumson who is kind of our quote-unquote villain you know not trying to villainize republicans but uh it is kind of showing to me he was i mean i got there wow they're really trying to get john mccain on this one, I don't know if they used him as a as a reference because that's a lot later, you know, and more like. I, I, Adam, I was thinking more Bob Dole to be honest with you. He felt very oh. Bob Doleish to me at that time. You know that that yep. that could make more sense. Um, Bob Dole, Bob Dole, Bob Dole, sir. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and it's it's funny because they say the exact same as we already talked about with politics. It, it's unchanged because. The things that he is bashing the president now for are the same things that like people would be bashing. Oh, not enough family values, and oh, he didn't serve in the military, so he doesn't know anything. Uh, that's kind of gone away uh, because none of them serve in the military anymore. That's true. Uh, I'm trying to think who was who's the last one that actually served in the military. Well, uh, let's see. President Bush was in Bush national. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bush was. He was technically okay, that's right. Bush guard. was. Yep. Okay. But really and truly, the last one to actually be, I mean, be in a war was uh, the was the first President Bush because he flew okay. in, uh, he flew in uh, World That's War right. II, I believe. Mm-hmm. OK, well, there we go. I do love before the date, Shepard gets some advice from his daughter. You know, I'm a little nervous. You'll be fine. Just be yourself. Be myself. Yeah. And I'm compliment her shoes. Her shoes. Girls like that. <laughs> Everybody out there, if you're about to start getting getting to a di- uh, first date, compliment their shoes. See, I think maybe that's what teenage Chris did wrong. Or twenty. Yeah. Year, actually, I take that back. It was '95, so this was 22 year old Chris did wrong. That's that's exactly it. Well, yeah. that, that that's definitely what uh, teenage John did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we cut to yes, yeah, Sydney making it to the event. Uh, she meets uh, AJ's wife and whatnot, who I think gives a fantastic line. Men like being insulted by women. It makes them feel loved. Don't ask me why. <laughs> and I don't know about y'all, uh, but I assume because we are all married men and we all like strong women who probably boss us around every now and then and definitely uh, insult us. And I'm okay with it. <laughs> I, I like strong women. I was going to say, there is a lot of truth in that statement for mm-hmm. sure. A lot <laughs> yeah, of truth. Yes. 
But Sydney in general, she's just in awe about everything, of course, doing presidential stuff. And he does compliment her shoes, which she, she has a massive smile. Sydney impresses people at the dinner, speaking French to the uh, French president and his wife and whatnot. And they talk about dancing, no one using the dance floor. And then the president, baller move. I mean, when you're the president and you can do this, just like, yeah, boom, get up, start with, dancing with her. It makes a scene. Everybody is looking because, of course, he's a widower. Mm-hmm. The president doesn't date. That's crazy. That made me think of uh, my date with the president's daughter. Y'all remember that one? That was the <laughs> one with, uh, I think it was um, Katie Holmes. Oh, yes, and I do. the guy from Boy Meets World. I think that's the one. Might well, have been a different actress. I don't know, to be honest with you about that. But I think there was one that Katie Holmes was. Oh, maybe that's for, that might have been first daughter. Then this was a different one. There was a whole song that went, My date with the president's daughter. <laughs> Sorry, that's different. We can do that movie a different time, John. Say, why are you apologizing? <laughs> Keep singing, man. Let's go. Which actually, that brings me back to karaoke, Chris. Do you want to sing any karaoke like you did, uh, was it a week ago, two weeks ago? Uh, I will not. However, if you want to go to the uh, Trivial Warfare uh, uh, Facebook page, <laughs> I did post a video that was uh, released on there. So you guys can go out yeah. and watch me humiliate myself in front of uh, some, of my, uh, some of my dear friends and people that I just absolutely adore in life. So there you go. <laughs> My my wife wants to put that on uh, like on a billboard for everybody to watch, just to let you know, which is just hilarious. That's good, very good. All right, uh, next day, of course, there's the there's a whole scene of him ordering flowers. Chris, you kind of already mentioned it is, becomes a running gag. Yep. He's trying to order flowers. It's very cute uh, because he can't, he can't figure it out, <laughs> and then and then he can't, yeah, because they don't believe him. And yeah, we'll get back to that. So yes, uh, Sid- Sydney is in trouble with her boss um, because you know he expected to hire a pit bull, and instead, though he's she's the president's girlfriend. Well, let's let's stop for a second here, real quick, Adam, and mm-hmm. let's talk about Sydney Allen Wade's boss because okay. played by the fantastic uh, John Mahoney. Uh, is mm-hmm. it Mahoney? Yeah. I believe. Yes. Anyway, yeah, we, uh, we know from Frazier. Absolutely, from Frazier, and also he's been in a bunch of different things too. It's just he's one of those guys where it's like, if you see him on there, you know he's tough. To- he's tough talking. He's, I mean, but he's still he's that guy that you absolutely adore in everything that you see him in. Yep. And uh, oh yeah. So absolutely have to bring up John uh, about John because he was just fantastic in this role and just a very again it's a very small role but very very good. Mm-hmm. You're right. This is like pretty much like the only time we see him or get a good scene with him. Yep. Um, and he is he's fantastic. So you're right. Very good call. Uh, and here she does get the Virginia ham that you talked about, because obviously he couldn't get the flowers. Uh, so but he wanted to get her something for Virginia E because there was a whole discussion earlier about the state flower of Virginia. <laughs> the and dog it's the dogwood. <laughs> it's a tree, but, but it's also a flower. But it's yeah, it's all funny. So it gets her Virginia ham. <laughs> what is it? A ham. <laughs> he sent me a Virginia ham. Dig it, Miss Wade. You're the president's girlfriend. It's, I remember it, that, that being in the trailer. Yes, that, that, like a trailer that, moment. That, uh, that line triggers my memory of the trailer every time. Okay. Yeah. And I do actually, I, speaking of the trailer, I kind of remember the trailer really pushing like the rom-com aspect of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's what they pushed more. But 
watching the movie, yes, there's romance to it, but it is much more of just an it's in, there's drama, there's comedy, and there's a lot of political, I don't know, just interest with this film. So it's not a strict like hardcore romantic comedy that we think of. Ramdra, exactly. So uh, the staff, uh, the presidential staff, have some concerns about you know the Sydney issue, as they put it, which offends uh, President Shepard, of course, and he's not having any of it. You know, instead he asks her to dinner uh, over for meatloaf night. Um, and I, if I was president, I like meatloaf. I don't think I'd ever have a meatloaf night. Now, so few times do I actually crave. It. Not a regular like. I, I don't make a lot of meatloaf at home, partially because my wife didn't, I don't think, really grew up eating a lot of meatloaf, so she's mm. not really that nostalgic for it. Every so often, I will get nostalgic for some meatloaf, and I will make one, but I don't make one regularly. Like Honestly, it's like a maybe a once or twice a year thing. Yeah. Well, and what's funny, when I heard that scene, too, I was thinking, you know what? You have one of the best chefs in the world because the, the White House has the best chefs in the world cook for them. And it's like, and you're asking for meatloaf? But then I also thought about it a little bit, and I think he did that purposely for his daughter. His daughter, who had just lost mm. her mom like about 18 months, two years ago, they weren't really specific on when that they happened. Weren't. But I think he was just trying to make things as regular and as normal as possible. And what's more normal than meatloaf night for dinner? Well, you know, I believe it had to be more than that because okay. he was a widower before he became president. Okay. And, this, and they mentioned earlier in the movie that this was he was in his third year. Uh, so it's probably been three years at least since she passed. And that would make sense because they kept talking about election. They talked about election the whole yes. time through. So it, it, it'd have to be his third year because you'd be ramping up for your re-election campaign. Here's my, here's my head cannon for meatloaf. Is that <laughs> since, since we're, since we're, two, we're two, eight, two out of three ain't bad, John? Yeah. Um, is that, what you're gonna say? Is, that uh, is that in my head the head canon is is this was a meal that his mother made that he is nostalgic for that's why he has and he doesn't have to make it he can just have the chef make it so once a week he has it like maybe that was their traditional Sunday dinner was mom made meatloaf okay. like in like See. if you live in the UK every Sunday your mom makes a roast mm. every yeah. Sunday so why can't it be meatloaf all right. Fair enough. By the way, instead of using breadcrumbs, sometimes think about using Ritz crackers. Have that nice buttery taste to it on top of the crust. Fantastic on your meatloaf. Uh, also, I'll add on to that. Uh, one of the best glazes you can do, mix ketchup and balsamic vinegar together Ooh. and use that to glaze right. the meatloaf. Gives All a little right. tang. So welcome back to Meatloaf Talk. Uh, we have spent <laughs> far more time <laughs> discussing the meatloaf scene than <laughs> ever thought. But all right, uh, we do get a uh, see Senator Rumson is is officially you know gonna go kind of plan of action. He is gonna run, um, kind of talks to his other people and whatnot, um, and how they're gonna attack and they're gonna attack Sydney, kind of attack the character, because uh, no, how dare a president want to meet somebody? Well, that and also as he, as he said, the president's got a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> So we do go to the meatloaf date, and it's going well. And he even gets a kiss in the china room, uh, the dish room, the whatever dish it's room. called. He doesn't know, yeah. But it ends short because those damn Libyans are bombing stuff, you know? What do you think? Damn it. The Libyans! I know! I, I thought Michael J. Fox, he has these trouble oh with my the Libyans gosh. everywhere. I... Okay, mind blown. You guys just blew my mind. That is so true. I, I mean, although it can't be the same Libyans because they died in the, uh, in Back to the Future, sure. or at least I think they did. They got in a car wreck, so I mean, there's yeah, that, there's, so, yeah. yeah. And they weren't wearing the seatbelts because one of them was hanging out. That's the right. Time, so, yeah. <laughs> Always wear your seatbelts. Always. Yes. <laughs> and smoke cocaine. Or snort. No, right, no, oh, no, oh, Adam, okay. no. Oh, I'm sorry. 
beat drums, beat drums. Ah. <laughs> anyway, so. sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so then we get some really good, a good little scene where the president has to president and he has to make the hard decisions and he has to kill some innocent lives kind of to, as a retaliation. And these just showing these are the difficult decisions that, you know, a president has to make. And as you kind of already brought up, it really is kind of the idealized kind of person that I would that I really would want. This is the kind of guy I'd want to vote for because he isn't thinking about, oh, I just have to strike back hard and fast. He's thinking about the people he's killing, mm-hmm. you know, the innocent custodian who's going to be in there. But he has to do it because, you know, he has to retaliate right, so for pro- the lives that was. And so it's a proportional I, response. I was yes. about to mention, I love that line. Sir, it's immediate. It's decisive. It's low risk. And it's a proportional response. Someday someone's going to have to explain to me the virtue of a proportional response. But you'll have to teach me the virtues of a proportional response. And incidentally, put a bookmark in that because he uses the same dang line in, in, in season one, episode three, a, por- a proportional response in the West Wing. And that's one of the things you'll notice about Aaron Sorkin is he likes to yeah. steal his own crap. And he does <laughs> it a lot. Similarities. Oh, yes, Definite absolutely. Definite similarities. So. Yeah, but also I love his speech at the end of that where he goes, this was the least presidential thing you'll see yep. me ever do. And yep. I just, that that line in that scene gives, I, I just said it, and I'm literally having goosebumps right now because it's like what you said, Adam. This is who you want in the Oval Office. This is who you want mm-hmm. having to make the hard decisions because it's done with compassion. It's done with heart. It's not done lightly, and it's not done for political measure. It's just done because it needed to get done. Yeah, I know. I mean, and I know that's what movies, you know, are meant Absolutely. to fantasize this stuff. And this is kind of the goal that we should try to be go for. And somehow we have been backsliding and we are getting worse and worse people. I swear. It's, it it's, feel, it's it feels like it for sure. All right. Uh, Sydney is stressed because uh, she's not sure, you know, what she's going to do with this relationship. Should it continue? Um, you know, it's she, she kissed him, you know, in the dishroom, for God's sakes. And so... <laughs> Uh, I do like it how, you know, she's like, I think I have to end it and then cut to her right outside of his door, him opening it. And she's basically like trying to dump him. She's trying to dump the president right there. And I think this is a great little scene. He starts mansplaining all this stuff. To <laughs> and dude, I I saw the scene and I was like, holy shit, this is the definition of mansplaining. He's telling her this is how it's going to go. I'll tell you what you're going to say and all this stuff. And she immediately Shuts his ass takes, up. How does takes she control? Do how does she shut him up and take control, Chris? She's got legs and she knows how to use them. She fucks him. <laughs> you can say okay. It. <laughs> That's not what I was going because she came out with just the shirt on and everything like that, and she's showing off her gams and whatnot. And, and I just, gotta say, yeah, Annette Benning, Annette Benning, nice looking legs. Yeah, good legs, very good legs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In the morning, uh, Sydney is you know they're trying to sneak out super early, uh, but. It's the president. He's got shit going all the time. Yeah. People, I, this is a great scene. This is how the president. His life is not private. His own. Everybody it's not his own at all. In. It's yeah. not his own. No, as he, you know, just had relations with that woman. <laughs> all of these people. <laughs> he come is Clinton. In and <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a cigar was involved. I was going to say, cue the West Wing scene. I, I repeat. Yeah. Cue, uh, excuse me. Cue the Oval Office. We need to cue the yeah. Oval Office. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Get the blue dress. Yeah. So it's it's uh <laughs> it's a fantastic scene here, but it's all just kind of yeah. going you know, like it's madness about how are they gonna you know try to get out of this because that's really would be a shot to family values if you will. But well, and also how hilarious is it that she's trying to cover it up, 
yeah. she's trying she's like well thank you so much for talking to me about this and they're just all these people keep coming in well hello city hello city hello yeah. city and she's like freaking out and everything like that it's like well how do you know well the press is here of course the yeah. press are here <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so it's it's out to the open, and we get a whole little montage of kind of news issues, and his polls are dropping because of this thing, and just media madness, the frenzy that would happen because of this. Um, it's funny, yeah, the president turning into a, a reality star, and not a reality star turning into president, or other stuff. <laughs> that is all this stuff. It comes back around, people. It's crazy. <laughs> I will say, and they they start to bring this up now, um, but it, it comes more in a little bit later. The one thing that bothered me is. To me, it's it's never enough. If if you if uh, you know if one side doesn't like the other side, it does not matter what they do. They will find something to complain about. Mm-hmm. You know, if they if they complain about him being lonely and single and not having a family because he's a widower, then when he does meet someone, now it's against family values because he's dating and it you know it's a no win. Yep, hundred percent. It bothered me to no end. You're right. The other side, whichever the other side is, is going to look up dirt. And that's exactly what Rumson does. Um, and he one of his people finds a, a picture of her burn, you know, at a rally where a flag is burned. So he's uh, Christmas came early that year, I think he says, because mm-hmm. he's super excited about it. Uh, we see her doing well at her job as a, you know, at the lobbyist, all that kind of stuff. She's really working hard to try and get her votes on that. Uh, the president and the staff uh, learn about Sydney's protest. All of this is just kind of like, all right, this is another distraction. This is getting in your way. This is making poll numbers plummet, all this kind of stuff. Wonderful little scene here where Shepard has to cancel a date because, you know, president stuff happens. He wants to be a gentleman, and so he's going to try to go pick up some flowers. He goes into the shop that he had called earlier, and the lady uh, faints because it's the president who just came in to talk to her. So it's all, again, couldn't get the flowers. Kind of funny. Rumson Rumson rips into Sydney some more, um, you know, at his campaign rally that he's doing, and the president is trying to avoid it. Uh, you know, he is taking the high ground, which you got to appreciate, but also it's hurting his polls because he's not saying anything about it. And so instead, he makes a date for Sydney at Camp David. So, which uh, you know, Rumson on TV just keeps attacking Shepard and attacking Sydney. Um, and he's just trying to, to hold back. Yep, so. and using his byline, I'm Bob Rumson, and I want to be your president. My name is Bob Rumson, and I'm running for president. And it's and you have to say that right now because something cool happens towards the end of the movie. Yes. It is. I, yeah, yep. yep. All right, uh, at a Christmas party, Sydney talks about her whole fossil fuel bill. Things are going well, and it's, you know, there, there's some issues here and there and whatnot, and AJ, that they're trying to get some they're trying to get these Republican votes, but she ends up kind of letting something slip and AJ and the president pick up on it that basically, oh, these other these these senators, if we shelve that, we'll get the votes we need for the crime bill, which is the one that they're really trying to push, because that'll hopefully kind of get uh, the other side of the their their polls kind of numbers back up and things like that. So they're trying to figure out, oh, God, what can we do that? He doesn't want to take advantage you know, of her trust um, and, and honestly in her her knowledge base and dating her and that yep. kind of thing. So it's, it's a, um, it's a dance he has to do right now. So they're each having to work for their votes and all this kind of stuff. Um, the next date that they've got, we're talking about the successes that she has been getting all these votes. So it's going really well for her and Shepard keeps losing numbers like crazy and the votes for their crime bill are, are going down. So the idea to shelve and get that, uh, 
get those fossil or shelve the fossil fuel thing to get those votes is more and more of a it's a necessity because again he doesn't want to do that because it'll get in the way and he is worried that she talks he talks about you know she deserves this lewis jumps all over that this is a wonderful little scene here really from michael j fox yep. he really steps up and he he calls out his own president and really like confronts him and he's like, no, 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 this is your president. No, no, this is my president. I, you know, I am a citizen. He is, he is I'm a citizen. Yeah. He is responsible for taking all this, doing the right thing for all of us. And he is letting this person get in the way of that. And so I, I really do appreciate that scene. But uh, ultimately, Shepard agrees to go with kind of the screwing over of Sydney at this point to kind of get the votes that he needs to to continue. Yep. So. And you got to have your drama. This is the, the yes. typical rom-com approach to mm-hmm. movies where it's just like you have to have that drama so that there could be some separation towards the end of the movie so that there could be a huge reconciliation at the end of the movie. Yep. Or mm-hmm. before the end of the movie versus at the end of the movie. Excuse me. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's you could see it all coming, but they did a good job of splicing in the importance that he really needs the crime votes, and she really is is trying to work on this uh, the fossil fuel environmentalist thing. So, Sydney comes and she is pissed. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, we find out she has been fired because she didn't get the get the job done, uh, and so she is of course angry with him, and she ends up leaving. She lost, or he lost her as a, a girlfriend and lost her vote. Mr. President, you got bigger problems than losing me. You just lost my vote. And I thought that was a damn good line. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, boom. That's like a mic drop. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. Fantastic. And just a great scene, too. Really. Because yep. they didn't overdo it. It was just, it was perfectly well done. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. um, it just, because that could have been a scene that could have been way over the top. And they just, yes. and they were able to keep it at a nice, even tempo. And I liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, we go back to that pool room, and so now everything is stressed. Uh, you know, they're, everybody, everything is strained. They have a, a bickering match between the two of them, um, AJ wanting to engage with Rumson and Shepard, you know, not really willing to, willing to do that right now. And so, yeah, Shepard ends up leaving, and, you know, he's, he's having to think, what's he going to do next and all this kind of shit. So Fun fact, so this is one of the few movies that is PG-13 and has more than one use of the F word. Oh. And it all it, there's three, and they all happen within a 15 minute span around this time. Interesting. Okay, uh, but I don't even really remember. No, I don't either. Yeah, yeah, it happens a few times. My the one that I always remember is when him and AJ are talking, and I forget exactly oh, what right. AJ says. They're at says. the pool table, yeah. the pool table and he that's slams it. down and he goes, "F you." Yep. Yeah, he does say that. Um, and it happens. Uh, I, I I caught it a couple more times. I think other characters say it. Since none of them are done in a sexual way, it can be said in PG thirteen. But typically, they only allow for one. But mm-hmm. this yeah. one got away with three. Wow. Okay. However, yeah, if if you watch this movie with the subtitles on, uh, they edit those out of the subtitles. And I remember uh, okay. watching when I watched this around the first or second time I watched. I was like, "Wow, the president swears like that." Not yeah. realizing that uh, I literally just read uh, President Obama's uh, autobiography, and yeah, that dude loved the F word. He loved dropping <laughs> off f bombs, and so it's just like, oh, okay, it's just that's just what presidents do. I guess presidents are human after all, you know. Honestly, that just makes that guy more cooler in my eyes. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you know what? I am just like fucking Obama. Maybe I'll be fucking president <laughs> one day. So, all right, so. Here we get an absolute, just one of these phenomenal Aaron Sorkin like soliloquies, basically. Shepard addresses the press, 
and he attacks Rumson, but he does it in such in just a baller way. Like he is basically just calling him out for for everything that you know. He is not. I can't. It, it's it, it's this super idealized thing, basically. Mm-hmm. You know where he calls out, and this is the kind. Of, this is the politics stuff that I love, and the kind of platforms that I would do. Like, yeah, you di- you differ than me, but I believe in our right, you know, to be different. And it's okay. We're not all. We don't have to be the same type of person. It's that mentality of, I love the flag, but I, you know, if you burn the flag, that is your right to do so. That he, that's exactly what he says, mm-hmm. and that is my mentality. You know, I, I, I that's how it, I like to think of it. Um, that we should all be allowed to do this kind of stuff, and we've all gotten far more into, oh, my country should only be the way I think, and that's uh, that's where Adam, I, this I'm going to say it till the day I die. Our country would be better off if everyone just accepted me as their benevolent uh, leader. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there we go. John just becomes the uh, overlord that we all need and deserve right that's now. Right. Thanks, yep. John. I mean, it's just actually, and then you got the you got the lines right here. She said, uh, "She's t- he's talking about he's talking to Rumson through uh, th- through the press conference, mm-hmm. and he says Sydney yep. Allen Wade has done nothing to you, Bob. She has done nothing but put herself through school, represent the interest of public school teachers, and lobby for the safety of your natural resources. You want a character debate, Bob? You better stick with me because Sydney Allen Wade is way out of your league." That is some classic yeah. Sorkin crap, and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in the very first episode of The West Wing in just a little yeah. bit when he goes uh, when uh, President Bartlett comes out and uh, and busts out biblical on him, and yes. uh, and it's just an amazing scene. But he just he does that, and then of course he I mean, and I was going to read the dialogue, but honest to God, the dialogue is pages. I mean, it's just it's it's it, long, it's it's long and also just the fact that you don't. I, I mean, of course they probably did like fifteen takes. Who the heck knows? But it's just they did it in such a way where uh, uh, where Michael Douglas just does it flawlessly, and I just oh, it's it's a perfect scene. It's legitimately a perfect scene in a movie. And I, I want to call it that just the, the line that you did bring up mm-hmm. really because a lot of people kind of already kind of been singing. Oh, he's like a soft president or like things where he's kind of weak here. He stands up to Rumson and he also defends his girl. Yeah, like what's better than that? And then he just kind of calls out what is American and what is the best that American should, America should be and all that kind of stuff. And then he ends it, as you kind of alluded to, the, he ends it right here. My name is Andrew Shepard and I am the president. I'm Andrew Shepard and I am your president. Yep. Oh, oh it's, I, I, that, I, that is pants, your, my that's, your wet. that's your Obama <laughs> mic drop right there. Yes. That is just yeah, like, is. out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I remember. Oh man, I remember this just to tie it into reality. I remember when um, Obama uh, broke in and he did. Um, he let everybody know that that we got Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Basically, the swagger he had in his walk, literally, like he walked down and then he did that song and walked back. And I was just like, he looked like a baller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. Lie. And he knew what he was doing because it was. I mean, that's a it's a great moment. Absolutely. Hundred percent. As harsh as that sounds, uh, but you know. Well, no, but it, for it the was. American people, it it was yes. a moment that was needed. It yes, was needed, exactly. and so yeah, and there was no other no other solution other than that. So, agreed. Yeah. Anyway, uh, President Shepard says he is going to rewrite the crime bill because he wants it to be harder on handguns and assault rifles, and he is going to push forward the fossil fuel bill. Um, he's really gonna he, he's gonna make some waves. Is basically what he is gonna be doing. So, all right, the president uh, uh, is gonna. Leave. He wants to try and get Sydney back. This is the whole thing. Exactly. You know, you had to have them separate to come back, but she already made her way back 
to the White House, yeah. and it was just wonderful. They rekindle. It's great. Well, and also, just to kind of go back to the West Wing portion of it, not the move, not the TV show, but the West Wing as a, as a whole, because uh-huh. you kind of see Lewis like freaking out because now he's got to rewrite whole parts of the State of the yes. Union address that they're about to do within like an hour or so, but, but because mm-hmm. he just dropped bomb after bomb after bo- or political bomb after bomb after bomb on, on everybody, now it's just like you can, uh, and Michael J. Fox does a fantastic job of eyes open oh my god now i gotta rewrite the whole dang thing and i have like an hour to do it (laughs) but he's but he's excited too because because of that speech uh shepherd has not just rekindled his relationship he has rekindled the love for our president at that time absolutely and and his uh and his staff loves him now because of it it's like okay you're listening to us but you're not only listening to your girl but you're listening to us so now it's like okay we're gonna do that work you go get your girl Yep. Uh, so he does that. He is then kind of cut to later, and he's got to go give his uh, State of the Union speech. He is finally able to give uh, her some flowers, and he does so because he remembers, oh, we have a rose garden. <laughs> uh, it's cute. Well, and, uh, and, cute. And, and talk about the rekindle scene real quick, because it's just uh-huh. like she walks in or whatnot. And incidentally, this kind of tells you it's a movie also, because I don't know if the president's girlfriend who just broke up with him like about a couple days ago or whatever is going to be on the secret services list of just getting into the white house let's just be honest here i mean so (laughs) that part's a little uh hollywood hokey but you know what i'll still take it because it's still a wonderful scene and everything like that and again they're trying to rekindle their uh i mean and 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 re-get and get back on path and once again he's interrupted by his staff members asking questions i mean miss mm-hmm. chapel his secretary comes in and it's like oh hello sydney and it's just or hello miss wade and it's just yeah. and it's hilarious how it's just life goes on it's just like oh you have a relationship that's fine but we got work to do mm-hmm. <laughs> yep uh, it's wonderful, uh, and he goes into his State of the Union speech, and with thunderous applause, everybody loves him. Uh, that is the end of our film. I'll let John and I go first, and I'm sure we could be fairly brief because, Chris, I'd love for you to kind of end up and wrap up you know, your overall thoughts on The American President. So, John, how about you go first? Um, I love this film. I've, I've loved this film for a while. I was very excited to uh, talk about it again. Um, I am holed up in LA for a week currently, so that's if, if things sound a little bit different, that's because I'm not in my normal studio. Um, my son has a uh, uh, a little camp that he's doing here, and I actually I had him watch for a little bit, and then he got bored. Also, I think he was tired because he's got he's he's been in, he was in a class he was in a he was in a workshop all day, so I think he was a little tired. So that's fine. He got through about half the movie, and I was like, all right, I can deal with that. You know, I'll show it to him again in a few years when he's a little bit older. I think he'll appreciate it a little bit more. Uh, I remember loving this uh, when I was younger. Between Shepard and and who we'll talk about in the West Wing, those guys are kind of my ideal presidents. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a it's a it's a it's a lovely fantasy. I wish it could be true, but it, yeah. to to me, it, it's definitely it's a, a movie. It's a I sweet can... sweet fantasy, baby. <laughs> That's not well done. You know what? Well done. That's fantastic That's podcasting comedy. right there. Bringing it back around. Not comedy. That's just bringing it back around. That's yeah. reminding people of where we're at. Well done. Well done. Uh, all right. I'll just end there then. <laughs> okay. Um, I always liked this movie, and it's been a while since I've seen it. I'd say a good 
15, 20 years probably since I've seen the whole thing and not just like maybe a bit and a piece on, on TNT or something. Um, and I always liked it when I was younger. Rewatching it as an adult, you get the writing, you get the politics a lot more, and it has the nice uh, romance element as well. You know, the movie just shot up my list, I will say, into like, you know, a much higher spot than it used to be. It's a phenomenal film. Aaron Sorkin's writing is great. Rob Reiner's directing is great. The acting, the ensemble cast is amazing on this one and in the West Wing as well. Like ensembles are Aaron Sorkin's gold era. You know, his his gold mind is having people and their discussions and he writes it wonderfully. So, uh, yeah, this was um, a great experience. If you guys haven't seen this film in a long time, check it out as an adult. And I can almost guarantee you will appreciate it more than you did, just like I have. Uh, as for me, um, I am completely uh, grateful for this movie because without this movie, there's not a West Wing. Mm -hmm. He thought of the TV series The West Wing while creating this, thinking that this would be a fantastic TV series. And for that, I'll always be grateful for it. Uh, I will say this movie's not in my top ten, but it is something. But it is a movie I watch. I rewatch at least once every year. And uh, it's just, but it's, and it's just, it's refreshing. And honestly, um, Adam, John, I can't say anything more because you said it for me. It's just like, this is where, where I would love my, I would love our modern day politics to be at right now. And unfortunately, it is not there. But movie wise, I'll take it all the time. I think the casting is flawless. I think the directing is flawless. And um, just there's not one thing I would change about it. Um, and I, I love the movie. I really do. And the best part is, is my wife loves the movie now, too. It's something uh, that she and I watch together. And uh, I love that. And uh, so for, for that, I'm always grateful. All right. Well, now let's get into some West Wing. The West Wing. It ran from 1999 to 2006 seven seasons 154 episodes aired on nbc created by aaron sorkin as we already discussed and chris you alluded to it he did leave after the fourth season i didn't realize that he had left uh because of his drug addiction yes so okay yep uh he just uh, and uh, and also just uh the, it had gotten out of control he knew he needed to get worked on nbc knew he had to get it worked on and they basically gave him an ultimatum and that was uh, we're either going to fire you, or you're going to leave on your own. And he ended up leaving on his own. And the only time he came back uh, through seasons five through seven was the very last episode. And he didn't write it or executive well, or executive produced it. He actually had a bit role on it at the <laughs> very end as being a part of uh, of uh, President Santos's uh, inauguration. Okay. Yep. All right. It's one of those blink and you'll miss it scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the cast. President uh, Josiah Bartlett is played by Martin Sheen, who we already talked about from The American President. Uh, Press Secretary C.J. Craig uh, is Allison Janney. We've seen her in Juno, The Help, American Beauty as well. She's great in that and one. And Mom, uh, uh, the comedy and Mom. Yes, Mom, I haven't, I haven't seen that show, but I've heard good things. It's it's not bad. It's just it's a okay. typical um, yeah. uh, Chuck Lorre uh, comedy. So if you, okay. if you like uh, um, Two and a Half Men, if you like that sure. that kind of stuff, then that's your kind of movie or your TV show. Okay. Excuse me. All right, uh, Chief of Staff Leo McGarry is played by John Spencer. Uh, he was in War Games, The Rock, L.A. Law, and he unfortunately passed away in 2005, so he didn't get to see the end of the show. Mm -hmm. So, 
Uh, Deputy Chief of Staff Josh Lyman is Bradley Whitford, who is one of those actors who makes everything he's in better. True. I, I remember him really well from Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Absolutely. But he is also great in Get Out, in Cabin in the Woods. He He's, he's in a and, lot of different And stuff. also, he was the jerk in Billy Madison. Yeah. And so, like, so that's that's and that's a move and that was one of his very first roles and he was great as just as uh adam sandler's uh, uh pawn i guess for lack of a better term but he was just great in that yeah yes <laughs> man that's great is that the one yeah billy mass yeah yep. business ethics that's the one yep. he loses on business that's ethics. right yes i award you no then- points and may god have mercy on your soul <laughs> Speak, speak of uh, you know that era film assholes. Uh, we have our deputy commissions director Sam Seaborn, played by Rob Lowe, who was a villain in both Wayne's World and uh, Tommy Boy. That's right. <laughs> He's kind of badass that. But Parks and Rec, St. Elmo's Fire, a lot of stuff. You guys know Rob Lowe, also cocaine guy. Um, so, <laughs> but he was back. But in the not day. for the last twenty years. That dude. No, no, dude, no. It's been a while. Dude is. Dude is a good guy now. I mean, just yes. Oh yes. And it, it's also hilarious because he and his sons have a paranormal show that pops up from time to time on a, on like oh. various cable stations. So it's a, that oh, okay. that to me is hilarious. And he does a couple podcasts. So That's, there's uh, uh, yep. always cooler if you do a podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Deputy com- uh, communications director. Oh, I already said that. Uh, the actual communications director Toby Ziegler is played by Richard Schiff. Uh, he's one of those guys you've seen him around. His face kind of just keeps popping up and stuff. He was in Seven, Man of Steel, uh, The Good Doctor recently. Jurassic Park, The Lost World, which we were just picking on earlier. (laughs) That's right. That's right. What are your thoughts on the more recent Jurassic World films? Uh, my wife loves them to death, and so therefore I enjoy them. Ugh, the <laughs> they're they're so bad, uh, all of them. I, they're 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 bad. I didn't mind the first one so much. <laughs> Second one, man. The third one, it, I just yeah. I enjoy it vicariously because my wife does. So there you go. Uh, okay. Yes. All right. Uh, yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and our personal uh, the personal aide to the president, Charlie Young, is played by Dule Hill. That you guys remember from Psych. Uh, which was a beloved show, as well as uh, Suits. Uh, and he's actually currently on the Wonder Years remake. I don't know if yep. that's still going on. It, but it is. They're doing, doing a season two of it, so absolutely. Okay. It's just a wonderful actor. Wonderful actor yeah. all the way around. Yep. And then other notable actors who eventually kind of appeared on the show, Stalker Channing, Jimmy Smits, Lily Tomlin, Alan Alda, Elizabeth Moss, Mary Louise Parker, John Amos, Stephen Root. Just tons of people. Joshua Molina. Uh, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you, uh, Tim Matheson, Terry Polo, mm-hmm. Marley Matlin, who is when I uh, earlier in the episode I said you're a fine-looking woman, Josh. That's who they were talking about was Marley that's, Matlin, who uh, who okay. also got a uh, Academy Award just a couple months ago for uh, for the uh, yeah. for the movie Coda. She was one okay. of the executive producers nice. on it. So Very anyway, um, I'm shutting up. And also <laughs> Timothy. No, no. And also Timothy Busfield. Uh, Timothy Busfield, who mm. was also in Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Oh, okay. He yeah. was in 30-something, yeah. uh, just a fantastic yep. character actor, and uh, married my uh, my kid crush, and, uh, and oh my gosh, I have forgotten her name. Hold that thought. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. I hate it when my brain decides to go, yep. go walk. You oh. going to Pornhub real quick? No. <laughs> oh, really? I remember really? him mostly from uh, Little Big League. Oh, he was uh, great in that movie. So, no, come on. Come on, IMDb, do me a favor here. Did you, One more uh, did you mention dun, dun, Field dun, of dun, Dreams dun. as well? Oh, he was great as a jerk at Field of Dreams. Yep. He. Oh, he was so good. Oh, Melissa Gilbert. 
he is married to Melissa Gilbert, oh. who uh, Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, she, that was oh. that was my crush as a kid. Oh my goodness, nice. Laura Ingalls okay. Wilder. Come on, or Laura Ingalls. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> anyway, Adorable. yep. Uh, uh, so this show, yes, is all about basically kind of the ensemble of the staff, very similar to the American president, as Chris already alluded to this. That was um, the inspiration kind of for a lot of this show, at least early on. And it's all about living the, the life in the presidency and the staff around him and all that kind of stuff. So in my head, this has always just been a sequel. It kind of <laughs> really kind of is that the, the chief of staff, uh, Martin Sheen just kind of goes into president, yeah. uh, into president mode. So, and I do want to mention this show has constantly been ranked among the best TV shows of all time um, by, you know, by pretty much every magazine and whatnot out there. It's received a buttload of accolades, including two Peabody Awards, uh, three Golden Globe Awards, the 26 primetime Emmys, um, including the outstanding drama series, which it won four years in a row, which is very impressive. So. Chris, I want to know, what is it about this show? What is it that hooked you early on? Because I assume you watched this show when it came out. I did. Uh, but, like, so what You know, what was it about The West Wing that got you so hooked on it? Well, a couple things. First off, I probably started watching it about halfway through the first season. And then after that, there was never a weekend that I missed. I, I mean, honestly, this was the time when I literally was planning my schedule around – uh, the Wednesday nights at nine o'clock. Later on, it was, uh, and then later on, it was Tuesday nights, and then finally, I think it ended up being on Friday nights, which, uh, of course, as everybody knows, is oh, excuse me, uh, Sunday nights. Excuse me, it was on a mm-hmm. Sunday night, which was the last season of it, and um, it was for me, it was must see watching. I got involved in it first off just because I uh, um, I loved the actors that were in it. Uh, I I thought it was an interesting concept. Uh, it was one of those things where I'm a pop culture nerd, and uh, and the fact that all these really good actors are on board and doing it just kind of intrigued me um but on a more personal note uh, one of the reasons why i really got into it and then have stayed into it so much is that um my dad and i uh have not really exactly had the best relationship in the world uh i mean very similar to uh i mean to a lot of fathers and sons i imagine that are out there but dad and i didn't really get along too much but one of the things there was only two things like we could talk about without arguing one of them was uh, one of them was Florida Gator football. So Adam, I, Ugh, pol- I know, I know, I apologize. Go dogs! I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> it's, Chris, you yep. yeah, you don't have yes. to be nice to us. You can no, no, no. you can do your Gator chomp and all no, that no, stuff. No, no. I, I, if, I, hey, <laughs> if this was if we're talking about fo- college football, absolutely. But we're I, this is your show on the West Wing, and I'm about to monopolize ninety percent of it. So I'm going to be nice to you yes. so you don't hit the uh, bu- uh, the mute button and cut me off. Uh, but the West Wing was the other one, and so much so I even wrote an article for uh, the USA Today day and uh, they had a pop culture uh, column and they were saying they wanted to talk about what what in pop culture has um, has helped you out um, or that you're thankful for and the thing I wrote about was I was thankful that the West Wing helped save my dad and mine's relationship and gave us something Mm. to talk about and so that was one of the reasons why uh, the show was so important to me because like when I'd have to talk to him we would talk about the show and it was just, and it gave us a point to where we weren't arguing, we weren't fighting. It was just we were talking about the show, and it was two things that we, or it was one thing that we really enjoyed and loved talking about. And also, just to let you know how much money I've spent on The West Wing. I bought every <laughs> single season on DVD. 
I've bought it on digital now, and I also have this beautiful collector's edition, which is right up here. My nephews uh -huh. are right there, and then the West Wing are right below it. it so it'd be like my wife, my nephews, and then the West Wing. So there, <laughs> there, there's that. Not Gator football, oddly enough. Go figure. Anyway, yeah. uh, so, uh, but that's really what it meant to me. It was just it meant a relationship with my dad. It was uh, an entertaining time, and then also just again the storylines hooked you in, the characters hooked you in, and Sorkin is just a master storyteller. And in a bit, we'll talk about season five. Season five is, uh, he left at the end of season four, um, episode 4.22, uh, which is called 25, was his very last episode that he wrote and executive produced on. And, and he left the show entirely after that. And, and, and you can noticeably tell because it went to John Wells. John Wells, who's a very uh, famous executive producer, he executive produced ER and a bunch of other really large uh, money-making uh, TV shows. It took a hit when he took when he came on board, or when he when he took over and whatnot. It just did, uh, because not only did they lose Aaron Sorkin at the end of season four, they also lost uh, Tommy Schlamme, and Tommy Schlamme was the director and the executive producer. Uh, uh, well, he executive produced the whole first four seasons, and then he was an executive producer for part of uh, the fifth season. But he directed so many of the big TV moments in the West Wing, so many of the big of the big episodes in the West Wing, like the like the very last episode. Of, uh, of season one, which is called uh, uh, What Kind of Day Has It Been?, which is a trend you'll notice in uh, Aaron Sorkin TV shows. What day is it? Uh, um, what kind of day has it been? Was the series finale name for, uh, for Sports Night? It was the series finale um, for Studio 60 on the on Sunset Strip, and it was the, season, the series finale for uh, new, The Newsroom. The only one it was not the series finale was West Wing because it was the season finale in episode or in season one. So just again, we one of the things we talked about loosely during the American President was how he liked to borrow stuff. Heck, he liked to borrow titles from episodes and bring them into other shows. For <laughs> goodness sakes. So, but that's why I love the show though. It's just like it just for whatever reason it connected and it connected to me early and it became must see TV for me even though it was not on Thursday nights. But it was on NBC, so there is that. It was. There you yeah. go. Uh, John, what do you remember? Did you watch this show when you were younger? No, I did not. In <laughs> fact, I did not watch this show until about maybe seven or eight years ago when, when my wife and I decided to give it a shot. And so we, by then it had been long over. So I said, all right, so we're going to watch it. And we got hooked. I have actually, we've not seen all of the episodes and I, I now knowing what you've told me, I now understand why. Um, I'm not entirely sure what season it was. I'm starting to think it was season five, maybe season six, where they took a little bit of a darker turn. That would be season five. And it started to piss my wife off to no end. She hated the direction. So we basically stopped watching it after that because she didn't, she, she was, complaining about every episode so we just stopped so i mean now that now that all makes sense because i didn't know that about him leaving the show mm -hmm. um but those first four seasons we loved so much they were so good and it was it was one of those shows where like we'll watch it or we would watch it like getting ready to go to bed and then like three hours later we're like do we want to try and watch another one or should we just go to bed now since we had to get up <laughs> early in the morning um, and we had little kids by then, so and we just <laughs> well, we wanted to keep watching and keep watching it, but yeah. you know. Well, John, let me put it to you this way: I I watch uh, the whole series of The West Wing at least once every two years. 
I've now watched it nine times, the full series. Nine Ooh. times, Mrs. Nine Bueller. times. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> nine times, yes. Uh, and so uh, I'm a little embarrassed to say that, to be honest with you, because as you said, that's 154 hours. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it, including the documentary I have uh, seen, that they have uh, on it. I've seen every episode of How I Met Your Mother probably – 12 to 15 times. Wow. Okay. I've seen it three times. Uh, so I'm, I'm right there okay. with you. If you ever want to do that, that TV or that podcast, let me know. Yeah. I'm all in. All right. Okay. Uh, so for me, Adam, yes. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> this was the first full episode I've ever seen. Oh, today watching for this episode of a uh, blast from our past. Okay. So, so we're on all different sides of the spectrum. Sure. All right. With this one. So, so you watched the pilot is what you're telling me. I watched the pilot okay. and I watched the second episode. Okay. So I watched the first two. So, and I usually will jump into the later ones, but I didn't because I was like, this might be a show I want to keep going with. I will say. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, this is um, as John and you guys, we've already, all of us have already kind of mentioned, between yeah, between these two presidents that I just saw, <laughs> I'm like, where do I sign up for this? Yes, why can't I get yes. one of these people? Like, the passion that they both, yes, bring, how intelligent they are. Um, I remember having a conversation actually just a couple months ago with somebody, and they they mentioned like, don't you just want somebody like a president, you know, that you know that, that you feel like represents you more? And I'm like, no, I want someone who is smart and knows what they're doing. I don't want some bimbo like me in the, <laughs> in the presidency. Like literally, I, like these are the kind of guys who are, you know, so smart, um, so passionate, but also they seem very centered and they seem they're willing to listen and talk things out. And I very much appreciate it. So it is massively idealized. Uh, a lot of Aaron Sorkin stuff leans quite left. 100%. Uh, and we've kind of seen that with with all of the stuff that we've been been watching and whatnot, um, which I lean left, but that's probably my Jimmy leg. Um, but besides <laughs> that, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I, I am politically lean left as well. But I also am quite right with certain things. I'm, I'm a purple person like a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. Actually, the vast majority of us are purple people. And the politics and the media have turned into purple far people left, eaters. far right. Exactly. But we are all purple people. A lot of us are purple people leaders who can talk to people on the other side and not, you know, not let it devolve into name calling and punching and whatnot. So I was thinking Homer Simpson um, and Bart Simpson, but but yeah, so that's, that's what, this is the kind of thing we want to see more now. Yes. Actually question for you, because you guys have seen, the, the show more Rumson in the uh, in American president and actually in those um, kind of those Republican far right Christian people that uh, Martin Sheen kind of kind of smacks down on his first scene that he walks in on on the pilot. Yep. Um, all of those those are a little bit kind of like farther right. Does does Sorkin ever bring in like a well like kind of like the antithesis of you know, of this president, of of President uh, Bartlett, but on the right, someone who is as smart, as capable, as passionate, but just for the other side, and he doesn't take them into, like, a caricature side. I personally, I want to say yes, uh, that he does. Okay. and uh, But it's not one person. It is, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the first season, you see this a lot, because there's actually a, a wonderful... 
uh, wonderful episode, and uh, I'm, try- I'm trying to think of the name of it right now, and I'm just, uh, it's, in the, it's in the very first season, and I'm going to it right now, and it is called, um, uh, it's called Mandatory Minimums. It's uh, episode, uh, se- season one, episode 20, where the president and, uh, and his staff are trying to get people on board to be able to close off a loophole uh, for um, uh, money-making um, for campaign, uh, campaign reform. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, th- that's, and, they, and this conversation with the uh, people in the Republican Party, he's like, do you know why you don't like me? He's like, yes, because you're a, lib- uh, a, a liberal liberal. Uh, anyway, he starts talking about him being just a uh, just like a liberal blah 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 and whatnot and uh he says and you know and mr president why do you not like me he's like because we're because you're a redneck gun-toting son of a bitch and he's like that yes sir that's correct and he was like but the one thing we can get behind is on campaign reform and if we do this then we can make things happen and so it's just like in this series you totally saw both sides of the of the spectrum and you and mm-hmm. they didn't say one was better than the other okay at certain times they said one was better than the other mm-hmm. but they still presented it where both uh, where they're going to try to fight they're going to try to argue about it but it, they're still thinking it is the right thing because that's what's on their heart that is what they feel mm-hmm. is the best thing for the country and that the country is the most important thing in all this and not just getting their way and unfortunately that's not where we're at right now in this country wherein yeah. we need to get our way and we need to make sure they don't get their way so we need mm-hmm. to make sure we have our candy bar and they don't have their candy oh. bar dang it yeah, the, in politics today, there never would be this, oh, we both agree on it, but it, it wouldn't move that way. It'd be like, okay, we both agree on it, but you have to give us this other thing. Like, not just, they just make make the world a little bit better, make the U.S. a little bit better, but instead they, there is just, yeah, you're right, yep. they have to they have to take you down uh, as well. And so it's kind of kind of harsh, yep. but um, yeah. So uh, one thing I do always, I, I typically talk about is the theme songs. theme song was nothing to me it, oh, it was, it was okay. in fact okay not good there's a reason for that <laughs> there's an absolute reason for that okay because uh snuffy waldron who's the uh, composer who does all the music for all seven seasons he did not have any money in the budget whatsoever for a i mean to do the theme they gave him very little money so he did it all synthesized and so that's what you're hearing right now is a synthesized theme episode five I believe it's episode five or episode six is when you get the full theme. And I promise you, go, I mean, just, just, just wait till episode five or six when you hear the the risingness and I promise you if you don't go holy crap that is what, what what I'm looking for I promise you it is iconic it is phenomenal and it is just a great theme song and it's just uh, okay. and it's just and the reason why is they just they gave him zero money 
nothing, not a zip zilt zero. And it's just, it's amazing. And by the way, uh, uh, Snuffy Waldron uh, also did the music uh, and the theme song for Studio 60 and the Sunset Strip. Okay. So yeah, so uh, he, I guess they like he they liked him so much they yeah. brought him on for the next one. <laughs> well, you're. Right. I, I only I only watched the first two episodes, yeah. and so if that is it is a lesser sounding one, yep. then maybe there's something down I the totally line. I totally 100 understand why you said that though, because okay. it sucks. I mean, it it really <laughs> in its form that you're at right now, it sucks. When you get to when it goes to the the, the iconic one. I, I promise you, you will be standing out of your seat going, son of a bitch, Chris is right. We'll cut it in, right. and I'll uh, maybe I'll make an editor's note if okay. I thought it was good or if I thought it still sucked. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. No, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give it to Chris. The full orchestra version definitely is the superior version. So, son of a bitch, Chris is right. One thing that didn't suck, though, um, I would say is the production value and the cinematography that they did lots of moving camera yes. it w- it felt much more like a film produced show than it did you know this was not like a, a three camera sitcom this was a single camera film based show that you can just tell that they put in that time and effort into um, the actual production and it it worked to me it really worked to me and we'd already discussed kind of the walk and talk mm-hmm. and they, this is apparently they really kind of um helped develop that as, you know, as a method of how they're going to do stuff. I think also of like ER, you know, walking with the charts, someone comes in, they leave the conversation, someone else comes in and that they did that a lot in this show. And I highly respect that. Like this is, it's not, Hey, here's a set and we're just going to have our clamped three down uh, cameras and one on the main, one on the the other person and then one on the wide. Now they did a great job with yeah. that. And let me also point this out too, uh, while you're talking about that was that, um, uh, with the with the walk and talks, um, it was just something that normally is not done. It's a very expensive mm-hmm. process, but they know they needed yes. to do it. But also because they're walking around so much, one of the things that uh, Sorkin usually in most TV shows, if a actor is done with their particular role, they go back to their trailer, they hang out until their next scene, and then they come back on or whatnot. In this, he asked people to just hang out in the background. So you'll oddly enough see C.J. Craig, Allison Janney's character, just uh-huh. hanging out in the background like uh, in Deep Cut. You'll see uh, Sam Seaborn hanging out somewhere in the background because he asked them to stay on board and just sit there for a little bit while they're cutting it just so that it actually looked like a, mm-hmm. a workplace. It's not just like, oh, this person disappears into their office. No, they're talking to so-and-so about whatever. It's just something to keep in mind also as you're watching it, especially since you get the pleasure of watching it for the first time. I'm I'm jealous. I'm very <laughs> jealous that you're getting to watch it for the first time. I, I didn't really they didn't really talk about this much on like the Wikipedia that I was looking through, um, but you mentioned, because I saw your chat with uh, uh, Will Gilbert, yep. you know, for, on our on our thing, yeah. on our poker chat that we had. They did a, a live episode? Oh, yes, they this? did, yes. In the season seven, uh, episode seven, it's called The Debate. And it was Jimmy Smits who was playing uh, uh, Congressman Matt Santos. And it was uh, Alan Alda's character, uh, who, was, uh, who played Senator Arnold Vinnick. And uh, they decided that they wanted to do a live um, a, a live recording of the debate, and so they had Forrest Whitaker, or not Forrest Whitaker, sorry, that's the actor, uh, Forrest Sawyer, the uh, the news reporter, actually asked the questions in the t- in the TV series or in the show, and so in that you actually get the feel of a real debate, 
and it's just these two guys slugging it out for like an hour. And the thing is, is they had two recordings of it. They had an East Coast and they had a West Coast. And uh, the East Coast, I watched it live because I was like, oh my God, they're doing this show live. And also just a, a little bit, Alan Alda being in it was a masterstroke. And my f- second favorite TV series of all time after the West Wing is MASH. And the fact that Alan Alda, who played Hawkeye Pierce, who was probably one of my favorite characters up until uh, until uh, really the, uh, a bunch of the characters in West Wing in, in TV show history, was now on it as, uh, as a Republican uh, senator, for that matter, because Alan Alda, who uh, my aunt, uh, my Aunt Pat and Uncle Don uh, actually are friends with him and his wife, and are, are, um, even though I've never got to meet him, I could be vicarious through them. It, he's one of the most liberal people you'll ever meet in your, in your life, but yet he played a compassionate Republican that was running for president in the seventh season. Mm-hmm. But yes, the live recording, uh, it's amazing. Unfortunately, in digital and in recorded or in, in, in hard copy form, the only, one, uh, the only one that they have out is the, is the, uh, is the West Coast feed. They do not have the East Coast feed, which is the one I originally watched, and there are a few things that I could tell are missing uh, that they had uh, uh, because in the in the uh, anyway. But yes, there are a few things I noticed that are missing in it. But okay. yes, they did a phenomenal job in it, and it's just something neat that it's like, wow, they decided to do a live episode. That's crazy talk. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. Um, that is the majority of what I had to talk about. But Chris, what other stuff do you want to bring up? And then also. We do have a very special treat. Chris has gone above and beyond, and he wrote out, he you said you had a bunch of different episodes. Yes. You are going to break down your top 10 favorite West Wing episodes. Yes, sir. Uh, you said you could have done it by season. I could have. Thank you. Time reasons. Yeah. <laughs> just do your Plus, also, I think you and John would be like falling asleep on me here, and understandably <laughs> so. But uh, just a couple things I want to talk about. You mentioned it, but one was their guest stars that they had on it, or the mm-hmm. reoccurring characters. So, again, Lily Tomlin plays the president's secretary, the second pres- uh, president's secretary, because um, uh, his his first one, uh, and we'll talk about uh, uh, Mrs. Landingham in a little bit, because uh, she uh, that episode. Uh, that she dies is absolute, or that uh, oh. that they remember her is absolutely in my top ten because it's just such a powerful episode. Timothy Busfield, which we talked about a little bit, Elizabeth Moss, who is coming to her mm-hmm. own because of Handmaid's Tale. She played the president's daughter Zo- uh, Zoe in it, and uh, uh, and uh, and she and Charlie, who is played by Dulé Hill, uh, have a relationship in it, and it's a wonderful relationship because you see the relationship going on, but then you also see what it's like to be a president's daughter. Um, in a relationship, especially when she's living in the White House. Uh, then Mary Louise Parker, who was in Weeds and uh, mm-hmm. and a bunch of different other things. That's just and she's just masterful in her role that she does. Uh, Timothy uh, Tim Matheson, who I remember from Animal House for goodness sakes. Yeah. And yet he plays the he plays the vice president um, for the first mm-hmm. uh, for the first four seasons. Uh, in the West Wing, and it's just wonderful. Uh, Terry Polo uh, plays uh, uh, um, Helen Santos, uh, um, uh, this uh, Congressman uh, Matt Santos's wife. Marley Matlin plays a political operative. Of course, we talked about Alan Alda. Jimmy Smits, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Senator Organa, a- um, absolutely is in this too, <laughs> and, which is wonderful. Uh, and then, of course, John Goodman. And we're going to talk about John Goodman because, again, one of his episodes, one of his key episodes, is in my top ten. Uh, but he 
also plays a, a Republican. He plays the Speaker of the House in, um, in the series. And you only see him a handful of times. But every episode he's in, when you see that he's a guest star in it, you know crap's going to go down in that episode. <laughs> and I love every bit of it. So that's one of the things. And then also, one of the things that we need to talk about, um, and this will be the last thing that we mention um, before we... Uh, uh, before we start, uh, before I go into my top ten, is that there's a, a character in the show named Mandy, and you've met her now uh, because you've watched the first couple of episodes. John, you know who I'm talking about, and Mandy is actually played by, I cannot remember her name right now, but she was in uh, Cutting Edge and a bunch of other different movies, and of course, I saw. Yeah, she she only was in like that first season. Yes, right? she and was. They didn't. They don't continue with. Well, her. that's the funny part, and that's what I was trying to. Uh, hold on, let me get her name real quick. I'm I'm sorry about this. My of course my my. Uh, phone's not running as fast as yeah, I'd like Moira it. Kelly. Moira Kelly, thank you. Oh my gosh. Also, she was in One Tree Hill. She's been in a bunch of things, but Moira Kelly was in it. And here's the funny part. You see her in season uh, in, uh, in the last episode of season one, uh, 1.22 uh, 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 What Kind of Day Has It's Been? And then she's gone. And they never mention her again. Literally, she is not mentioned in season uh, in episode or seasons two, episode one, until season yeah. seven, episode twenty-two. She is just gone off the face of the planet, and they never explain what happened to Mandy. It was such a big thing because that <laughs> was Josh's ex. Yes, and then so I, oh, I yeah. assumed she was going to be there for a, like a long yeah. haul, and then yeah. Well, it just it, Maura Kelly just decided that um, there's too many good actors on the show. She was not getting the role or the roles and the uh, scripts that she was looking for, mm. and she just politely asked if she can get out of the contract, and they and they granted it for her. And 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 honestly, it was for the best because you'll see she was used heavily in the first uh, probably ten episodes, fifteen episodes of the first season, and then her role slowly diminishes throughout the last. Part of the season, and uh, and they didn't really need her. Um, but it was it was funny to me. I saw it when I could tell when she was coming on screen. Uh, any of those first two episodes, because they laid on like the the '90s rock hard. That was like, <laughs> the only part, literally the only part of the show that like seemed so '90s was seeing her driving a Beamer and like '90s music was being played. I was like, wow. Oh yeah, it was Foo, it was Foo it. Fighters. <laughs> they were Basically. playing Foo Fighters. It was, yeah, it was, so it was. Uh, but it was it was it was good, yeah. So interesting, very. Interesting. Yeah, that's right. I forgot they were playing "Learn to Fly" on that, and which is interesting also because uh, in season seven, in the ele- uh, in uh, election day part two, the Foo Fighters are playing live uh, for uh, for uh, uh, for Congressman Santos's uh, hopefully celebration party. So it's just that's nice. kind of funny in its own right that they show up again. So, yeah, that is it, very fun. All right, yep. all right. So you were asking. <laughs> no, let's. Yep. Let's do let's do this first. Basically, we're gonna do John. Do your final thoughts first. I'll do my okay. final thoughts, and then Chris, give us your entire. I want you to just go wild okay. on your episodes, and then your overall. This is your time to wrap up your feelings on West Wing. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. All right. So my final thoughts are um, the first four seasons that I saw are fantastic. I keep thinking to myself that I'm gonna go back and finish what what, what we didn't, and I, I had never have. But uh, the, I could go back and watch those first four seasons again with no problem. It's a fantastic show. It's such an easy watch. It's one of those great shows that entertains and makes you think at the same time. Yeah, uh, I very much enjoyed it. was an easy, smooth go from episode one to two. I was like, oh, I like this. I want to keep going. And then I realized that I needed to watch The American President, and I had to do other work, and so I couldn't continue. But... It literally was a show. I was like, I can just have this 
and go for a while on and actually like sit and pay attention. A lot of shows I'll have like my phone on, you know, and even this one I, you know, could every now and then, but this is one you want to pay attention because that Aaron Sorkin writing is so good. You want to hear everything. Like you just, you want to see what's happening. You know, it's tough because I've got so many shows I want to watch. Do I want to commit myself to this one? But I'd say I probably yes. do. You know, I and probably you're right. I like at least get those first four seasons in, see what I like with the next ones. Um, but because this show is so beloved, it's one that I probably need to make time for. And seeing those first two episodes really kind of proved I will like it. Did uh, so, did your wife watch them with you? No, no, no. And okay. she probably would have hated it. She she okay. she abhors uh, anything political. Um, and so I don't. I mean, think I don't really would. blame her for that, but. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but there is a hopefulness about the show. So maybe, uh, yeah. who knows? Maybe she'll, uh, while you're watching it, uh, she'll pop in and see something and be interesting. Yeah. And then you watched a great first two ep- uh, The first two episodes are fantastic because also there's mm-hmm. a huge cliffhanger at the end of of the second episode. Where yeah, it's that's just why like, I was like, oh, I, crap. I was I wanted to keep going yeah. on, but I was like, well, I gotta watch, I gotta watch Michael Douglas be president. Well, that's now. true. So. Yeah, and then the best part is, is when you watch ep- uh, episode three, that's when Dulé Hill joins the cast, and you get oh, nice. and you get to know Charlie a little bit, and and for me, you fall in love with Charlie because Charlie's absolutely one of my favorite characters in the series, and just because Dulé Hill Perfect. is just the man, he's one of those actors. If I can mm-hmm. meet that guy, I want to meet that guy. Hashtag just saying. Very cool. So very cool. So anyway, uh, but okay. So first off, yes, uh, I had uh, I wrote down fifty-seven episodes uh, for my top ten, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can't go off all fif- all fifty-seven of them. So we're not going to do fifty-seven, uh, but I did want to mention a couple honorable mentions on here. First off, uh, the the last episode of season of uh, season one, uh, what kind of day has it been? Mostly because the title, the title gets transitioned to uh, to all the Sorkin shows that are out there. It's a love lovely nod to each of the shows uh and also anytime uh well the other shows are series finales this being a season finale it's still fantastic uh but it's just a really good show um or a really good episode strong a character episode also you say goodbye to mandy and you don't even know why you're saying goodbye to mandy but she's gone mm-hmm. and so, and then she disappears forever uh and then staying in season one i want to talk about uh episode six which is mr willis of ohio uh i asked my dad as a matter of fact the other day when i talked to him uh what his favorite episode was and he said my favorite episode is the one where charlie and cj and josh and sam take the president's daughter to a bar because he wants them to have a good time uh together and they take they take the pres- They take Zoe Bartlett as well as Leo McGarrity's daughter to a college bar to uh, kind of hang out a little bit. And these ruffians, these guys, get in uh, get in Zoe's face a little bit. And so Charlie comes in between them and roughs them up. The the gang sees them and pushes the panic button, which is the button that all family members of the president have to bring the Secret Service in immediately. And uh, and it's one of my favorite scenes of the of the series, just because you see Josh and you see uh, you see Josh and Sam and uh, and CJ just pointing. It's like, come on over here, they're over here. And then you just see the the absolute hell and horror in the uh, in these bar guys face that we're trying to hit on and really try to uh, try to mess with uh, the president's daughter and it's like that's why you don't mess with the president's daughter the secret service will mess you up <laughs> hashtag just saying 
<laughs> just a couple other ones. Hartsfield Landing, uh, episode uh, or season three, episode fifteen. Uh, really neat thing about this episode is it talks about the election process in New Hampshire because this is uh, when they ha- when they had the primaries in New Hampshire. But the reason why it's a neat episode is that uh, in twenty twenty. Our, uh, yes, in 2020, when uh, one when the pandemic was going on like crazy, uh, some of the members, uh, almost every member except for John Spencer, because he had passed away, of the West Wing that did Hartsfield Landing came up, came on on board and did a updated episode of Hartsfield Landing for uh, for HBO Max um, for a voting uh, for a voting group, hmm. and it was a it was just wonderful to see everybody did it. They did it in a three or four act play. It was really well done it was it's it's something neat and um and if you have hbo max it's still something out there that you can watch and and enjoy very much so hartsfield landing the Calif- uh, California 47th season f- uh, season four episode 15 is a fantastic episode because this is where we say goodbye to uh, Rob Lowe's character and it's and uh, and so and it's just and I thought they did it in a very fitting beautiful way because at the uh, towards the uh, at the end of season three Rob Lowe reported to the uh, to the executive producers that he wanted to move on and they granted him that really uh, that release and that's also what introduced Joshua Molina into uh, taking over Sam's okay. spot on there and then of course course we talked about the debate um which i'm glad you brought up adam because that that is a fantastic episode just because of it being live but i would be remiss uh if we didn't bring up um the first debate um, show which was called game on which was uh season four episode five and uh and that is uh you have uh the president going up against uh a a uh, the governor of florida which go figure you might be seeing that uh, again in, tw- yeah. in a couple and in in about a year or so, uh, and he just absolutely is able to roast them, and it's just and it's a phenomenal ep- episode, just a lot of fun to watch. Adam, can't wait to hear your thoughts on it when you go into that. So, I'm not going to bore you with the honorable mentions anymore because I can keep going on and on and on, and I don't want to do that. But so here's the top ten, and just to let you know, what I decided on my top ten is that I wanted at least one episode from every season to be in the top ten. All right, and I, which I was able to do. I was a little nervous, but I was able to do that because, uh, thankfully, season five, which is oh, oh, real quick, I did want to mention one thing: the best season of The West Wing is season two. Season Season two, without a shadow doubt, okay. is um, next to uh, uh, Angel season five is probably my favorite TV season of all of, of any TV genre, uh, any TV show. Period. And yes, Angel meaning Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Angel. Ah, I was like, yeah. yeah, exactly. David Boreanaz yes. fan, huh? Well, not necessarily, <laughs> but season five is freaking phenomenal. It's a great season. Charisma Carpenter fan, yes sir. <laughs> yes, y- yes sir. <laughs> all right. Uh, the worst season, season five. We've talked about that. That was it was a really rough transition once Sorkin left, John Wells taking over. They finally find their footing, but it took them until the sixth season to find their footing. So, John, that's what I wanted to mention to you is um, season six, uh, right around uh, the fifth or sixth episode in season six, is when they finally find their footing again. The writing gets a lot better. You get more invested in the characters. Uh, and so much so that my favorite or my underrated season of all seven seasons is season six. Season six is the most underrated season, I think, of all of the West Wing. Uh, and so just like I said, if you think about it, maybe watch the one episode I'm about to mention in top 10 uh, of season five 
and then cut the rest and then just go straight to season six. They'll give you a recap at the beginning and you'll know what's going on. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so here's the top 10. Uh, top number 10, uh, we're going to go to season six, episode 13, and it's called King Corn. And the reason why this is an interesting and neat episode is because, one, uh, the president's not in it at all. President Bartlett is not in this episode one bit. But what you do have is you have you have three campaigns going on for the uh, for the next presidency. You have uh, you have uh, uh, Alan Alda's character and Senator uh, Arnold Vinnick. His, um, his go, what his day looks like um, in, uh, during uh, an election season. Then you have uh, Senator uh, you have uh, Congressman Matt Santos. Uh, and hit and what his season looks like through the eyes of uh, or his election season looks like through the eyes of Josh Lyman, and then finally you have uh, v- Vice President Robert Russell, uh, who is played uh, by Gary Cole. Fantastic job playing by Gary Cole, but you see it in the eyes of uh, Donna Moss, who used to be Josh's um, uh, assistant and and, um, and and whatnot, and is now deciding that she's going out on her own to try to find her own uh, her own job path that does not. Involve Involve Josh Lyman, and it's just a fantastic episode. It's broken up into three different parts. At the very end, you see um, uh, you see the uh, all the parts kind of merge together. Uh, but it's just a beautifully written episode, and it's a beautifully cinematic episode. Uh, you, I think you would really like it a lot. Uh, like it a lot, John. If you gave uh, the if you give uh, if you decide to give Beyond Season Five a try. Season, uh, at number nine, uh, the series finale tomorrow, season, uh, season seven, episode 22, it gives you hope. It, I, I think the mm-hmm. title of the show tomorrow is just beautifully done. You see a new president be rung in. You see the, uh, the old president trying to figure out what's going on, what he's going to be doing the next day. Hence why the name tomorrow. It's just, it's a beautifully written, it's in my top 10 of favorite uh, series finales. Yes, I do have a top 10 of series finales. And it's just (laughs) a great, great episode. Highly recommend it. At number eight, we actually go into the, this is the season five, season five, episode 15, or episode 17, excuse me, The Supremes. Glenn Close is in this episode, for goodness sakes. Uh, Christopher, um, oh my goodness, it's the uh, guy that plays the uh, uh, the uh, the main pilot in uh, Armageddon. Uh, I think it's Massimo or uh, Christopher. Um, oh my goodness, William, I cannot believe I can't William Fitchner. Thank you, William Fitchner. Yeah, Sorry, William his name is okay. Christopher in the uh, Christopher Mulroney in in the West Wing, which is where I got it. But uh, but William Fitchner plays. What's going on is uh, somebody, uh, one of the Supreme Court, Supreme Court justice um, dies, uh, is now gone on to the president to try to find a new one, and uh, they really want to bring on this uh, very, very liberal uh, one who's played by Glenn Close, and and they're figuring out a way to be able to not only bring on one Supreme Court justice, but possibly bring on a second Supreme Court justice to even out the Supreme Court by bringing an extreme conservative on board. It is a wonderfully done act. Also, Glenn Close is one of the premier best actresses in the uh, in the world, and the fact that she was on a one-shot episode of The West Wing just impresses me to no end. So that's that's number eight. Number seven, 25, season four, episode 22. John Goodman, what's going on in this series is that the president's, and I'm sorry to blow stuff for you, Adam. I didn't realize that you hadn't watched it, so you're going to have to forgive uh, no. me, but the president's daughter's been kidnapped. The president is now in uh, deep shock and is afraid that he's going to make a decision about his daughter's safety that was going to prevent him from doing his jobs. So he's decided to enact the 25th Amendment 
just for a period of time, give up the presidential uh-huh. label. And the only problem is, is he does not have a vice president because a couple of that's, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Where's Mr. Vice President? Where's the animal? Yes, house guy? Tim Matheson resigned uh, due to a sex scandal a few episodes prior. Woo! Exactly. And they have okay. not elected a new vice president at this point in time. So they have to go to uh. the Speaker of the House, which is played by John Goodman. And John okay. Goodman's character is so damn good. He is so damn good in this. And if you do not... I'm getting chills talking about it right now. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> but at the very end of the episode, all you hear him say uh, uh, is, uh, is the president's going on and on about what to do. And John Goodman looks him straight in the eyes and says, you're relieved, Mr. President. And I'm just... I'm getting the goosebumps again. And uh, he signs the paper that removes him from power and leaves the room. And then you see everybody come in and start working to figure out what's going on because there's multiple crises that are going on along with the daughter being kidnapped. Phenomenal, phenomenal episode. You just, like I said, John Goodman, tour de force. I actually think he won uh, a guest spot Emmy for that role. I'll have to double check on that. Does, I don't know enough about that amendment or anything. Does that just a temporary loss of yes. power, or yes. it, okay, it's not one that no, there's two letters yeah. that that'll be that are written. There's a letter relieving him of power, and there's a uh, a letter that he signs to put him back into power. And they talk about. Okay. And the cool part is they actually talk about it in that episode, so you get some good civics in this. You okay. actually understand the process a heck of a lot better because of it. Phenomenal episode. All right, now I have to talk about uh, five and six together. Number five is six meetings before lunch, which is uh, season one, uh, number uh, episode eighteen, and then number six is let Bartlett be Bartlett, which is season one, episode nineteen. If you'll notice, they're together. That's one of the neat things about the, especially with the first four seasons of The West Wing, is that there's so many episodes that are uh, that are um, brother and sister episodes that are so good together. They could be a two-hour movie, and you would enjoy the crap out of it. In season one, they had six meetings before uh, before lunch, and let Bartlett be Bartlett. In season two, the last two episodes, 21 and 22, 18th and Potomac, and two cathedrals. Episode, season three, they had Bartlett for America and HCon 172, which when you see it will make more sense. In season four, you had Debate Camp and Game On, which is the, the uh, debate episode that I talked to you about. And then, of course, in season six, uh, you have episode Episodes six and seven, the Dover test and change is going to come. I mean, it's like writing one episode, one good episode of material has to be one of the hardest things in the world to do to be able to keep somebody involved in something for 43 minutes a time. To be able to do it back to back on a regular basis is amazing, and they did that. But let's talk about Let Bartlett Be Bartlett. Uh, that was. Um, a phenomenal episode because the staff is frustrated. The staff is angry because they're not able to do the things that they need to do, and they don't feel like they're being supported by the president. And at the very end, Leo McGarry comes up with a strategy that has the simple words, let Bartlett be Bartlett, meaning you talk. Do not be afraid of not being reelected. Do what you do, what you've done best. And it's just a phenomenal episode. Then you go, but you go an episode before for six meetings before lunch. The reason why that episode's so good is because you have six intertwined storylines going on at the same time. You have something that uh, that if you meet any West Wing uh, fan and you say the Jackal, they're going to smile and know exactly what you're talking about. And that's Allison Janney singing a probably one of the most remote songs that I've never heard in my life called the Jackal, which is an amazing one. It's a fantastic. 
magazine, but two, it's just a funny song. And so it's just, but if you mention to any West Wing fan, the Jackal, they're going to smile and go, yep, okay, I understand exactly what you're talking about. You get some great Sam Seaboard stuff in this, uh, Rob Lowe's character. You just, uh, you get some great Josh, uh, Josh Lyman stuff. Um, does he, does he end up uh, marrying that hooker? <laughs> no, he does not. He oh, does okay. not. No, actually, <laughs> he, you, he stays single throughout the whole series. Uh, or, oh, okay. So you actually, because I, yeah. he want he wanted a pretty woman. It you can tell true. he wanted a pretty woman. Well, and that. also, I mean, it's just like uh, the actress that was at, and she was in House, and she's been in a bunch of different uh-huh. things as well. So it's just again, okay. amazing the people that they bring in <laughs> on it. Uh, at number four, pilot episode. Oh my! Oh my goodness! You want to talk about just jumping out of the gun? I mean, the very first scene that is in there is that you're getting a, everybody's getting a phone call because this POTUS thing is uh, uh, fell off a bicycle, and you're not sure what in the world it is. And then you get to the last part of the very of the cold of the cold opening where you see Sam Seaborn with said prostitute, even though he doesn't know that she's a prostitute at that point in time. Uh, finding out that POTUS means President of the United States. Now everybody knows what POTUS means. But mm-hmm. at the time, it's like, what is this POTUS crap? And why did he fall off his bike? And uh, but just and then also, the if you're not if you're oh, gonna watch see, it, I, watch it. I wanted to interject. Go real right quick. ahead. Only because you brought up the bicycle thing. Yep. And that made made me immediately think of Biden because Biden fell off his bicycle as well as well. And I was like, oh my god, this is so much like it real really. Life. It's almost scary, isn't it? Yes. But if but also if you're gonna if you're gonna watch this episode, watch it for the last five minutes of the episode. To he, I mean, because you do not see uh, Martin Sheen, President Bartlett's character, the whole episode until the last five minutes, and he just does the dialogue that will knock your socks off. And I will not try to read it and do it justice because I will not be able to do it justice. But it's just an amazing. It's just like as soon as if you don't watch that and go, okay, I'm hooked into the show. I don't not I don't know what will happen. It's just an amazing five minutes of uh, of uh, of TV history for sure. So that's number four. Number three, the last episode in season two, uh, uh, episode two point two two, two cathedrals. Uh, this is where we're saying goodbye to Mrs. Landingham, uh, which is the president's uh, very first uh, secretary. We find out that um, through throwback episode or throwback um, scenes throughout the episode that she was the uh, president's uh, secretary when he was the governor of of uh, New Hampshire, uh-huh. and uh, and also the uh, the reason why uh, they killed her off was because she actually wanted to move on to another role, and they decided to grant mm-hmm. that and let her do it because she was she was uh, was not a named cast member. And so they let her go, mm-hmm. but you just have one of the most powerful scenes of the president yelling at God, and not only in, uh, but not only in um, Latin, but also in English, um, at how he is, uh, at how God has forsaken him by taking this very important person away, as well as some other heavy stuff that's going on that I don't want to blow for anybody that hasn't seen the episode. People will say that this is their favorite episode of all time. This is my number three. But it's just it's just an incredible, incredible um, forty three minutes of television. I'm, I'm trying to find that actress um, because I think I think that's right around when it's, she moves uh, on Ka- to it's Desperate Ka- Housewives. Catherine Jostin is her name. Catherine okay. Jostin. And yes, uh, well, uh, she gets that role in Desperate Housewives like a few years later uh-huh. because this was this was oh, two th- okay. this was two thousand one I believe when this happened. Uh, that gotcha. she uh, that she ca- ca- killed off, and I think it was like 2005, 2006 when Desperate Housewives started gotcha. up. But yeah, okay. This was the episode I rewatched to remind myself 
of the series was uh, two yeah. cathedrals. Yeah, and just and then the episode before we talked a little bit about 18th and Potomac when you find out about Mrs. Landingham's death. It's just a very again very very powerful episode because also there's a lot of crap going down in the second season. You find out um, some big things that the president hid. Uh, that you were not prepared for, and uh, and it all comes to a hilt uh, in in episodes 21 and 22. So anyway, that was number two. That was number three. Number two, probably my favorite title of any TV series. Um, somebody's going to emergency. Somebody's going to jail, and it's and this is uh, season two, episode 16. Basically, the whole episode revolves around Sam finding out that his dad has been cheating on his mom for 26 years, and he's devastated, just absolutely devastated. And because of a lot of personal issues of things that are going on in my life, this episode hit home hard for me, very, very hard. Uh, why Rob Lowe did not win a, uh, a primetime Emmy for this is beyond me. I'm not sure if he used this episode or not uh, as, as one that you turn in, but he did not. But amazing, amazing episode, and just um, and, and and honestly, this episode and the next one that I'm about to kind of go back and forth between being my favorite episodes of the series. But that's number two. The final episode, or the final one, number one on my list is season three, episode number ten, Bartlett for America. And Bartlett for America is everything that went on and went down in season in season two comes to a hilt in the uh, season, uh, season three, especially in episode 10. Because of things, of uh, decisions that the president made, he's having to answer some questions. And one, you get one of the best performances by uh, John Spencer of the whole series, without a shadow of doubt, one of the best ones. But also you get some fantastic flashback moments talking about why the president became the president, why they did the things that they did. John Spencer as Leo McGarry is one of my favorite all-time character actors in this. It's amazing. And just to let you know, uh, we were talking about Hartsfield Landing a little bit ago. Obviously, John Spencer, when they did the the HBO version in 2020, uh, the play version of it, I should say, wasn't going to be there. And so they got, uh, they got Spencer K. Brown uh, of uh, This Is Us fame to come in and yeah. play the role of Leo McGarry, St- and he did a fantastic uh, job. Sterling, Sterling K. Brown, K. Brown. Yeah, sorry. Right. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, Mr. Brown. Uh, but yes, yeah, Sterling K. Brown. <laughs> he does. He is a big fan of our okay, show, well, I, <laughs> so I thank could, you for correcting I could that. totally see that. I <laughs> Anyway, but Sterling K. Brown uh, uh, really and truly probably is the only person that could fill in for John Spencer in that. But again, uh, Bartlett for America – it really just epitomizes everything about the West Wing. Just great acting, fantastic, um, fantastic emotions that are going on in it, and it's just a wonderful. Uh, like I said, that and somebody goes to emergency, somebody goes to jail, alternate being my favorite episodes. So that's my top ten. But yeah, but that's that. Uh, I think I threw about forty episodes in there, so I cheated. <laughs> but dang it, it is such a good. Sh- it's such a good show. It's one of my loves, and uh, uh, and hopefully, if anything. Uh, your uh, everybody that's listening just realizes how much I love this show, and just if you get a few minutes and you like a good drama and you like to laugh from time to time too in those dramas, check it out. It's a great show. Oh yeah, your your passion has completely <laughs> shined through, and thank you. I'm really glad we could have you on. Um, you really did help fill out like the show that deserves someone with your passion to come and talk well, about I appreciate it. it. Thank you. And also, if uh, uh, if we can plug our, our friend uh, Dustin Resch. Dustin Resch actually does artwork of the characters of the West Wing. So if you're a fan and want to have some artwork, go uh, find him on uh, Facebook, and he yeah. can hook you up with that because he gave, me, he gave me a piece, and it's amazing. 
Yeah, his uh, I believe his Instagram is Resha Sketch. Yes, it I is. Think. Yep. yep. So 100%. absolutely go check him out. Not to be confused with Etch a Sketch, but yes, yeah, no. Resha Sketch. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Yes, thank you. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Hi, I'm Bob Dole, and I've always spoken to you frankly, no matter what the subject. That's why I'm eager to tell you about a product that put real joy back in my life. It helps me feel youthful, vigorous, and most importantly, vital again. What is this amazing product? My faithful little blue friend ice-cold Pepsi-Cola. Are the revitalizing effects of Pepsi-Cola right for you? Check with your local convenience store counter clerk and start living again. I feel like a kid again. The joy of Pepsi. All right, well now let's do the casting portion of the show. As I mentioned at the top, we are going to recast the American president using actors of today. Uh, we got a little bit of slew of characters to get through and three of us, so I'm going to move rather quickly. We are going to do uh, President Shepard, Sidney Allen Wade, A.J. McInerney. McInerney, thank you. Louis Rothschild, Robin McCall, Leon Kodak, and Senator Rumson. I almost said Rumsfeld. Bob Rumson. Bob Rumson. <laughs> uh, Senator Rumson. All right, let's go in reverse order of that. So we'll start with Senator Rumson, and Adam, we will start with you. Sure. Uh, I went with an actor. I didn't go exactly with the same um, look as the Donald Rumsfeld. Not Donald Rumsfeld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. You know, uh, what's it? Richard yeah. Dreyfuss. Um, but I was somebody who I have seen actually be kind of like a. He can be a stern, badass villain when he needs to be. He looks great in a suit, and he has to have good presence. I feel like what I would need with my Rumson um, is someone who feels like he could be a senator. And actually, this guy played a senator, um, and I know you guys know that because you've seen him. He's also a fantastic actor that I've seen all over the board, including in the West Wing. And I like it when he kind of brings his hard-assness, as he did in, I think it was NYPD Blue. He's older enough now, and he's got the senator vibes. I went with Jimmy Smith. Very nice. I All like right. it. Yep. yep, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, I'll go with mine. Um, I went with another guy who uh, looks good in a suit and um, in the last few years has played a character that is kind of a bad guy, and I, I think people will be able to identify with that. Uh, I went with uh, Papa himself, Matthew Modine. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. I, li- I like that. I like that. Right. Yeah, he's 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 got all those vibes. And that's appropriate because, uh, well, maybe Michael J. Fox can replace him like he did in Back to the Future also. <laughs> Sorry. It, wasn't it? I thought it was Eric Stoltz that was he replaced. Stoltz? Oh, yeah. it was Stoltz. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Never mind. Oh, that's I'm right. an idiot. All right. I'm just going to go crawl under the bed now. Uh, you can't do that yet because you got to give us your pick. For, oh, yes. Uh, my, yes, my yes. Bob Rumson, uh, before, literally before – we started recording. I changed it. I originally had Harrison Ford because I was looking for a curmudgeon. And older, exactly. Older Harrison Ford is a curmudgeon. Let's John, just be I'm honest good. with you. Yes. But I wanted somebody also yeah. that could be a, a curmudgeon, but also can be a jerk as well, but a, almost a likable jerk. Mm-hmm. And I remembered uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, and I went with Michael Keaton. 
I think Michael Keaton would be fantastic in yeah. that role. And yeah. also, oh, yeah. I mean, the founder, he was he was fantastic as just like this jerk guy that was trying to get his point across and and the founder and I just I think he'd be fantastic in this role. Uh, I love yep. that pick. He's he is very stern yes. in um in Homecoming. Uh, and he's got like the nice gray to him as well. He's awesome. Yep. Great call. All right, let's go on to Leon Kodak. A good character, but doesn't spend a lot of time on screen. Honestly, in my head, there's a lot of different people who could play this. Oh, yeah. So yep. the, it, the, the, the breadth is going to be pretty wide open. I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. Um, my actor, oddly enough, and Adam and I have talked about this, a lot of actors today look way younger than they actually are. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, I might pick an actor who's probably the same age as uh, the one who played Leon originally, but doesn't, you know, he has all of his hair. And then look at um, But I went with a, a guy who um, I would like to see in, in kind of a role like this. I chose Zach Braff. Oh, I like that. There's there's some, like, goofy-looking qualities <laughs> to Leon Kodak, and Zach Braff is a goof look. Yeah. He looks so goofy. Um, yeah, I okay. like that. I like that a lot. He gets the ladies, though. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, uh, Chris. Sure. Yeah, uh, I was thinking about it, and uh, I was looking for somebody kind of squirrely, kind of a little like all over <laughs> the place, to be honest with you. And uh, mine is a little lesser known person, uh, if unless you've watched The Boys or if you watch, uh, uh, he does the voice of uh, Brad Boylan in uh, Star Trek uh, Lower Decks. But Jack Quaid, Jack Quaid, uh, he oh, plays yeah. Huey. Uh, he plays Huey in The Boys, and uh, just mm-hmm. you want to talk about a guy that's just like. Just a little off kilter, but yet you know that he's smart enough to do what he needs to be done. I just think he'd be a fantastic Leon Kodak, and uh, I went back and forth on that one quite a bit. But that's that was who I thought of. Yeah, it's a little younger than yeah. than okay. I would think of, but Jack, I like I like Jack Quaid yeah. because I'm a big fan of the yeah. boys. So, I right, Adam, yeah. I did go with an older guy. Um, this guy can look kind of squirrely, <laughs> uh, but he's a he's a fantastic actor. Um, You've seen him probably in a bunch of stuff. I remember him best, honestly, from Eastbound and Down, which is a show I oh, just yeah. loved. Uh, so he played uh, Kenny Powers' brother. But he is in tons of stuff, and he is an underrated actor, one of those character actors that I think literally you put him in and he makes whatever better because he's that good. Uh, his name is John Hawks. Okay. I went with John Hawks as my Leon Kodak. It's like I don't know the actor's name, but I know exactly what you're talking about because it, of Eastbound and Down. You've definitely yeah. seen him. I yep. guarantee it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm not recognizing him. Maybe I'm just. I'm, I'm looking at this stuff. Okay. And there's not really anything I've really seen him from, but looks good. Yeah, you didn't see Three Billboards? No. Nope. By nope. chance? Oh, uh, he was great. In that oh, too. I need to see that movie. Oh, uh, it's a fantastic. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's a great one. All right. Okay. Uh, let's go to Robin McCall and Chris. We'll start with you. Okay, um, I was thinking of just um, a little bit older of an, of an uh, actress. Uh, really wanted to make it a female because um, it really, uh, with a name like Robin, it could go either way. Um, mm-hmm. But really wanted to go female because also there's a very lack of female um, roles in um, in this, like a lot of '90s movies. If we'll just be honest here, mm-hmm. and so uh, I went with um, Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, we were picking, you were picking on uh, Jurassic World a bit ago. I get it, uh, but one of the things we could say about her is that she's just, uh, she is a very good actress. Uh, has not done a whole heck of a lot, 
But the reason why we need to respect her is because of her work as being a director for The Mandalorian. Enough said. Oh, yeah. Because, dang. But I, I like her as an actress quite a bit, and I just thought she'd be very good in this role. Because, again, uh, she's not necessarily somebody that you um, pair in as to be the star of the movie, but she definitely would be a, ro- a really strong role player that brings a lot to the role. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. yeah, she was kind of come in a lot of the scenes against um, uh, or with Lewis. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, yeah. Have to have to work well together. Yep. All right, Adam. So I went with this is most my most uh, least known actress. Um, she more recently was in a show called How to Get Away with Murder uh, that was pretty popular, and that's pretty much all I've seen her from. Uh, but she is you know up and coming, I think. And so her name is uh, Asia Naomi King. I think uh, I'm just trying. You could go with a lot of different people in this role. Yep. It is a smaller role, and so uh, she's just someone who I like, and I thought you know could drop in there well. I like it. I don't I I don't have enough to go on but I'll I'll take your word for it. <laughs> okay. Cool. I'll take right. it. I also went with a and probably my most unknown actor in this role. Um she is most known I for me she was in uh, Shang-Chi. Uh she was in The Marvelous Miss Maisel and she's in a movie that I have not yet seen, but I want to, called Everything Everywhere All at Once, because I've heard nothing but fantastic things about it. Uh, uh-huh. Her name is Stephanie Hsu. Okay. Yeah, H-S-U. I have also heard so many great things about Everything Everywhere All at Once, and yeah, I, I, so I need to get on that one, yeah. Let's see, yeah, I, uh, besides, yeah, besides um, Shang-Chi, that's the only one that I've seen, and I did like that film, so I'm going to say sure. And if she's in... Uh, everything everywhere then she's probably awesome because she's she's solid because yeah that movie is getting great mm-hmm. reviews so okay i recognize her now i got you okay all right let's move on to lewis ross la la lewis exactly rothschild adam <laughs> so uh michael j fox phenomenal we all mm-hmm. love him he is just part of our love and nostalgia i was trying to get somebody who kind of has that in this movie you know, he's not super young, but he's still young mm-hmm. enough, idealistic uh, with stuff. You know, he's kind of s- smaller, but he does have a great stand-up moment where he has to, you know, really kind of put down the president. I went with a, an actor who's pretty hot right now. He's a little bit too hot because in Top Gun Maverick, he was looking really good with his stash <laughs> and his without a shirt. But he's an overall really strong actor. You've seen him kind of, I feel, be kind of like that, I don't know, that meeker kind of character at times as well. I went with Miles Teller as my Lewis Rothschild. Are you, are you thinking Whiplash? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Early on, exactly. That is, that is definitely more of the role that I think fits better with this one. And then he has to stand up at one, mo- at one point at the yeah. end of that one. Definitely too, so. not Reed Richards. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, I, that's uh, I, it's funny that you said that because I was thinking about him too and went with another and went another way. Okay. Yeah, I did. I did look at him too, but I also ultimately went another way. Um, okay. I just like you, Adam. I was thinking, okay, I want to pick an actor who's can can maybe a little bit smaller, seem meeker, and then mm-hmm. rise to that big moment. Um, there are a lot of good actors I could have gone with, but I went with this guy because he kind of, even though he's about my age, he still looks fairly young, so it could work. I went with Elijah Wood. Oh, okay. I like that. That was, I had three names. Elijah Wood was one of those three names. Okay. I went with Miles Teller instead. I like that. Okay, cool. And now, yeah, if Chris picks the other name that I had. That freaking <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. But okay. again, I went, I, my thought process was the exact same as y'all's. I was looking for somebody 
maybe that uh, that is a little bit older but looks younger, a little uh, can be uh, can be a little standoffish, but also has that presence and can be that gravitas. And I went with Mr. Expecto Patronum himself, Daniel Ratcliffe. That's a, I don't hate that pick at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah. hate that at all. That that's worse. For, yeah, especially because he's uh, working on the American accent for Weird Al. Yeah, I think he'd be prepared. <laughs> he could do that for sure, dude. When they have his shirtless uh, <laughs> yes. shot in that one, I'm like, wow, that's ridiculous. Weird, Weird Al has never been like a sex icon. As much as Lauren Carey wants to believe it, he's never been a sex icon. For the, for the record, Andrew Garfield was the third. Ah, oh, that would have been good. So, I actually good. did look at him as well. Yeah. Okay. I did look at him as well. Uh, all right, AJ, who I didn't say this before. When I was a teenager and I watched the movie but didn't follow it carefully, I actually thought AJ was the vice president and not the chief of staff. Yeah, acts like it. Sure. Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Okay. So I, I picked a actor who is a phenomenal actor, but you don't normally see him in this type of role. In fact, he is most known for playing pretty menacing characters. Okay. But he is a fantastic actor, and I don't see any reason why he can't make a good AJ. I went with Giancarlo Esposito. Ooh. All right. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I adore him as an actor. You're right. He is very menacing in a lot of the stuff that he plays. Yeah, I'd almost uh, have to see him in a non-menacing role before I can make a decision <laughs> on that. But I'll, okay, that's, that's it, fair. But you want to talk about a great actor? Holy crap! Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So right. uh, is it okay if I go that's next? Sure. sure. All right. So my AJ uh, is I, I wanted somebody that I could see in the role first off, and then two just was a phenomenal actor. And uh, I, even though I but- butchered his name earlier, uh, Sterling K. Brown is actually my choice for AJ. Uh, again, had like that, has that age span that he's able to do that with no issues, mm-hmm. but also uh, he could be, uh, he just, he, one, he looks the role. He looks the role. And, all, oh, and, yeah. and maybe I, I and maybe I got a little uh, teary-eyed or a little thought process on it because of him playing Leo McGarry in, uh, in, uh, in the play version of uh, Hartsfield Landing, uh, where he is the chief of staff in that. But I just, I think, I just think he'd be honestly that dude could read the phone book and do it well. And so he's yeah. just, he's just that, he's that guy. And uh, I imagine he's probably going to have uh, more than one Oscar before his uh, his time yes. is said and done. John, I know. Um... You you got into Brooklyn Nine Nine. I can't remember. Did you end up watching the whole show or not? Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. So Sterling Kane Brown did probably my favorite yep. episode. Oh, so and good. He he comes in and he plays this over cocky like dentist guy, um, and he, the entire episode is just is um is literally just why am I blanking on their names? But Andy Samberg and uh, Peralta, uh, the cap and Holt, yeah, Peralta and Holt, just interrogating him right. the entire time. Right. And then they finally outsmart him at the end by basically pushing him, making him, you know, like, oh, you're think, talking about how not smart he is to just edge him up. And he is a his acting in that in that episode blows me away. Yeah. I just I think he is such such a great actor. So I love that. Pick. I was I was shocked to see him in Brooklyn Nine-Nine when I because I just oh, yeah. watched it for the first time a couple months ago. And mm-hmm. uh, literally, I think I, I think I watched it in like three weeks, all eight, all, <laughs> not eight or nine seasons or whatever it was, because it was yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, all right, Adam. Okay, I uh, went with an actor who I do think you see a lot. Well, in one certain franchise, you see him as kind of like a, a side guy who is not afraid to step up to his, you know, very 
cockier, larger than life, um, like bigger character, his more main character. Um, and so that's why I thought he would do very well in this role where he kind of has to do that same thing. Um, he also has in that same series has played a uh, uh, kind of military person where I feel, you know, AJ didn't have really military background, but he's got a presence to him. Another great actor you see in a hundred different things, but you know, for most people would know, know him um, as your war machine, but he is just a kick-ass actor. I went with Don Cheadle. Yes. I like Absolutely. That, yeah. I like that. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, man. That Great. works well. That's good. That's some good crap right there. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to Sydney Ellen Wade. And, Chris, we'll have you start us off. All right. Um, I'm, again, I was thinking about it, and I was just like, okay, who, who can match the intensity? Who can be... Uh, coy and flirty, but also be very serious and strong uh, because this is an actress that needs to be able to not only stand up to the president, but also needs to be more powerful than the president um, when it comes to uh, advi- uh, advising him on her view- on her views. And uh, there's only really one actress that I could think of that could do all that, and that was Kerry Washington. Uh, ah, it, she's great. Yes, I mean, just uh, in Scandal... Uh, she's been amazing, as well as there's been a few other TV series, TV shows that I've seen her in that I've just been really blown away by. But I think she would be mm-hmm. fantastic in the Sydney Allen Wade role. I mean, she was she was fantastic in Ray. Yes, um, yeah. she oh, was yeah. really good in Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is why I also went with <laughs> Carrie Washington. Oh yes! Wow! <clears throat> wow! So, uh, fantastic call. Chris. Yes, absolutely fantastic call, John. <laughs> well, guys, I went with Carrie. No, you didn't. Russell. I went oh, with Carrie Russell. Okay. Okay. Carrie all right, all right. <laughs> Actually, so but her acting in uh, The Americans mm. is awesome. Yes. And she's got, she's got a strong presence. I can totally see her, you know, stepping up when she needs to. And she is, I'm not going to lie, man. Every year she gets older, she gets more beautiful. <laughs> at the same time. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, but, yeah, all right. Great! I'm glad y'all had the same same one there. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, our big one, Andrew Shepard. Adam, start us off with this one. All right, um, Michael Douglas has there is a regalness to him. Yep. Um, there is a presence to him, and also there was good comedy mm-hmm. from him in this film, which was great. And so I went with a guy who I've seen all of that. He's got great presence. He's got a very handsome look, and in the age of television presidents, that helps. It's not necessary, mm-hmm. uh, but it helps. And this guy, I could totally see him like in this role. I, he, I don't know if he's played a president yet, but he probably will before his acting career is done. And he's done some good kind of comedy stuff as well as some intense drama stuff. I went with John Hamm as my Ooh. president at Andrew Shepard. Nice. I could see that. Yeah. I could okay. absolutely see that. Bold, bold strategy, Cotton. Bold strategy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it paid off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I ended up going with an actor who was actually – Probably older than I should have gone. Okay. Um, but, God, every time I see this guy on there, I get a regalness, a in-chargeness to what he does. I've seen him in do some great dramas. I've seen him do some really funny comedies. And I shouldn't be surprised because he's done another Aaron Sorkin show. I went with Jeff Daniels. Oh, love that. Yeah. Love oh, yeah. that. Totally could see it. 
Uh, I, hell, I'd probably vote for him for president now. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, He's... and also, just amazing in the newsroom. He was phenomenal. Yes. And ultimately, it was that and kind of his performance in The Martian that made me think I could yes. see him playing um, a president mm. type. And I know he is a little bit older. I, I still think he has enough of the presence where the age difference really wouldn't matter so much. And he looks like he's 35, so it's all right. He has that gene. <laughs> yeah. His Dumb and Dumber 2 was really when I thought, you're my president. <laughs> God. Because I don't want you to act like this any- ever again. That movie was awful. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Chris, give us uh, our last one. All right. So I needed a ca- uh, counterpoint to uh, Kerry Washington. I ne- uh, needed somebody that could do that. But not only that, but also, the re- it, you guys said it right. It's just that regalness. And it's just like I needed uh, some acting royalty in order to be able to do this role. It couldn't be, old, uh, it couldn't be too old. Couldn't, uh, but couldn't be too young, and I just was like, "Who is one of our best actors of our time that could totally pull this off? Can pull off the little bit of comedy, but also the strenuous, uh, the strenuous strenuousness of the of uh, of the of the very emotional scenes that are in that are in the movie." And so I had to go with the man, the myth, the legend, Denzel Washington. Denzel, okay. I think, could not only that, but also he could handle Sorkin's uh, Sorkin's words. He mm-hmm. could handle the rapid pace, saying uh, saying um, 50, 50 or so words in less than in less than fifteen seconds. He could be able to do all that and still just have that presence, where it's just like you look at him and you're like, "Yep, that's the president, hundred percent. That's the president." Yeah. So Denzel, yeah, Denzel, uh, Denzel and Carrie, I think would carry that movie in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, yeah. Denzel. Um, yeah, he has that feel, that look when he goes on to whatever movie you shut up and you listen because you're not just watching, you know, I mean, you're watching a great actor, but he just transforms yep. and he will give you whatever you need. I, I I don't think John and I have ever shat on whenever we've picked Denzel in the past. Not once have we been like, that's not right for him. That's like, no, it's <laughs> no. always it's always 100%. right for Denzel. Dude, that dude could do Luke Skywalker and have no problems with yeah. it. Come on. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, Chris, thank you so much yes. uh, for being here. Um, is there anything else you want to promote before we sign off? Yeah. Uh, not really promote, but just uh, just some gratefulness to you guys. Uh, I just, I'm really big fans of, of all the work that you do. You guys do multiple, uh, what I call wheelhouse podcasts that I just super enjoy and love listening to. And I'm not just saying this to get, get back on because I totally <laughs> would do it again, just to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie, but I just, I enjoy what y'all do. I enjoy just, uh, I, I just enjoy being friends with y'all and I appreciate you guys so very much. And just thank you for thinking of me on this. Uh, as when Adam asked me, I was like, well, crud, I'm going to be out of town, but if you could do, uh, this time, let's go. Or if you can't do it, I understand if you find somebody else, cause I'm sure there's plenty of others. He's like, Nope, we there was you. no one else. Let's if you it. weren't going to do it, <laughs> we weren't going to ask anyone else. Well, I, oh, yeah. I appreciate it, but it's just, I, I just appreciate you guys so much. And, uh, just thank you for letting me be on and, and play in my sandbox, uh, which has just been a blast, <laughs> absolute blast to do. All right. Well, that was our recasting of the American president. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. John and I talk our Top 10 favorite Lilith Fair songs. 
If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. comic books? Me too. Hi, I'm John. Join me over at the Comics Underground podcast, where I invite guests to discuss their favorite comic books, graphic novels, manga, and more. Go to bfopnetwork.com for more info, or find me on your favorite podcatcher. I'll see you there.